well, welcome everybody to episode eight of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Uh, as usual, I'm your host, uh, Duke Togo, and uh, joining me uh, in a nice sleepy night here <laughs> tonight is uh, is Krabby. How you doing, Krabby? Doing good. We finally had our, our first snowfall that actually stuck up here today, so it's a good thing I got my winter tires. Oh, really? Already? Oh, yeah, we've had a few snowfalls, but they haven't uh, stuck around for more than a day. Now it's finally sticking around, I think. We finally got like a little cold snap that has kind of hit us, but um, I mean, like yesterday it was like 80, <laughs> like today it's like 50, Jeez. but uh, you know, I, I can feel you, but yeah, I'm sure you'll get the snowblower out pretty soon, right? Uh, yeah, we already did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't envy you any. And um, and of course, joining us also is, uh, well, Bill, hey Bill, how you doing? Hey, pretty good. We don't get uh, hurricanes very often, but uh, we're preparing for one right now. Yeah, you got the Frankenstorm coming, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird because you don't. I mean, I used to live in Florida, and you ex- kind of expected like uh, the odd like you know tropical storm every you know month or so during hurricane season. But uh, it's it's weird being in Connecticut and seeing the map of the hur- of the storm kind of coming straight towards uh, New England. So. Went out tonight, tried to find just like a basic generator, just you know, for the fridge and you know the stove, just in case. And uh, nobody's got them, so people are kind of going crazy up here. So uh, just kind of preparing for uh, what next week. It's either going to be uh, awful or nothing will happen. So we'll see. Or you'll be running the next uh, podcast off a generator, right? <laughs> yeah, it'll 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 be the free dog uh, show. Now, um, how how many miles from the coast are you? Uh, uh, it's, um, not, it's not too terribly, uh, close to the coast. Like we're probably like maybe, uh, uh like 25, 35 miles, uh, from uh, Long Island Sound. But then beyond that, you still have all of Long Island kind of, you know, blocking, uh, so it's, it's not direct ocean, uh, you know, Connecticut shore. It's got kind of like Long Island Sound in there. So, um, but we, we are pretty close to the, uh, to the coast of Connecticut, but not the Atlantic ocean. All right, so somebody do the conversion for them. What would that be like, Krabby, like 50K or something? I don't know. <laughs> Kilometers, 60, I don't know, 150? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's 14 pounds. <laughs> dear, dear everyone else in the world, we Americans suck. <laughs> we don't know how to do the conversion, sorry. Nope. We're kind of a selfish lot. <laughs> I went to uh, uh, Canada and I'm going 100 uh, miles an hour. And no, Sarah's like, and, Sarah, going, and Sarah's like, I don't think you're supposed to be going 100 miles an hour. I was like, no, it's okay. I just passed that sign. <laughs> you were waiting. Well, here's the good news is that the, the Mounties on horseback could never catch you. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, I, fortunately, it wasn't for very long. I think it was actually on my way up to 100 miles an hour. And she was like, you know, those are kilometers, right? And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> it does make you feel pretty excited though when you go from the US over into Canada and like suddenly the speed limit is just gigantic. Yep. It is kind of cool just to see the numbers like, yeah, I'm yeah. going 90. <laughs> <laughs> Legally this time. Yeah, right. Oh gosh. Well, um guys, uh, you know, just uh, as always, a couple different places you can find us. Um we are on Twitter. Well, we'll get a pretty good little Twitter following going there, but you can find us uh, at CollectorCast. We are now also on Facebook, so if you're a Facebooker, you can just find us, facebook.com slash CollectorCast. 
we actually have our own web address, guys. I don't know what you think of that. Maybe we're moving into the late 20th century now. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find us uh, just at collectorcast.com um, and also collectorcast.net. Either way works. As usual, of course, we're still on YouTube. You can do a search for CollectorCast. Still on um, Stitcher Radio, so you can find that at stitcher.com forward slash rfgeneration. And, uh, wow, man, this uh, this show, we've got a lot of major pickups from people, right? Oh, yeah. The, the, the whole show could just be things that people have picked. Like, we normally spend a lot of time on small scores, which is one of my favorite uh, threads on the site on RF Generation. But there was just so, like, we're a little bit late recording uh, this month due to, you know, various uh, scheduling things. But there is just so much stuff this month. It's amazing. Yeah, so I don't know what you guys were doing out there, like just busting open piggy banks or if this was some kind of weird competition or something, but um, I kind of had to make a little joke that, man, you know, everybody had to stop. (laughs) We were were never going to get a show done. Um, So I will just say this. There was such a huge volume. If we missed anything from you in this episode... We are deeply sorry, but uh, we don't want to make it a seven-hour podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we should we shouldn't say if we should say we are going to miss <laughs> yes, things. We, we are. are going and... to miss cool things. Uh, and if we did, uh, just throw something on any one of the various uh, threads or sites that we have uh, the site on, and uh, uh, you know, we'll try to make it up to you if we can. Sure. Yeah. Just um, you can just send us a tweet and tell us how much we suck <laughs> for, <laughs> for forgetting about you. And then we will retweet it. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will beg, beg forgiveness. Um, so I wanted to start off one of the you know said a million times. Not a big box guy, but Hungry Moose came away with a just a really fantastic one, right? Oh yeah. Could have been even more fantastic from the sounds of it, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so. He went to a, there's a store locally, and he picked up a, a like a beautiful box copy of of Schoon, right? Yeah, and from my understanding, that is one of the hardest games to find complete in box for the NES. Yeah, and and I didn't know that there was one. Uh, someone had one on a Nintendo Age for auction. I think like I don't know two or three months back, and they had a starting price on it of like five hundred dollars. It was like whoa, ne- it was in near perfect condition. And I remember everyone seeing that and like, wow, dude, that seems like a little bit high. And a whole bunch of people were kind of like saying, ah, that might be a bit much. And the guy kept saying, ah, don't worry about it. Someone will jump on it. Like, you know, <laughs> I know what it is. And then like without fail, like, you know, it took like five or six days into the auction. But somebody was like, all right, 500. There you go. And I was like, wait, what? And then <laughs> and then more bids went in on it. And I said, I had no idea that thing was, uh, like, I guess uh, the biggest thing is uh, like like the condition. Um, I yeah. mean, I guess you can find those in, you know, kind of okay shape, but like that game in really nice condition boxes, it goes for big money. Yeah, it's kind of like the black box titles. Like you, you either find them Ooh, really yeah. beat up or you don't find yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, but apparently and... the the lady who brought in these boxes, this lot that this game came in, had them all sealed and she opened <laughs> them up because she didn't think they would want them sealed. Oh, <laughs> and in that game, sealed. Yeah, if you can, if you think it's you know five to seven hundred bucks complete in box, just imagine how much sealed. Because I think that's one oh, of the rare man. sealed ones too. You know what's funny is I talked to him about that, and he said, you know, I'm kind of actually glad because there's. N- he said there's no way I could have afforded to buy it if it was sealed. Yeah, and, and I'm glad. Uh, so, he got so, it. so so wait, did 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 she know what she had when she sold no. it? No. Okay. No, um, 
because it was just a local store close to me. I mean, he lives in Indianapolis, not too far from me, and it was just he bought them at a local store. Wow. Um, and yeah, I guess since they, she thought that it's a used game store. <laughs> Man, I mean, the, the one time though, I I brought a, uh, I had a sealed game that I think I got as a gift, and I didn't want to try to do like the no receipt exchange thing that everyone does, like at Walmart or Target, even though I do it too. But I just, I'm just gonna trade this game in, and I went to like a GameStop or whatever. I was like, hey, just give me. Like whatever it is, at the two three dollars, you know, it was in like an older game, and they were like, "Yeah, we can't take this; it's sealed." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, like I'll just open it up." They're like, "No, we, like we can't take it. Like I would know that it was sealed." And I was like, uh, "Like really? Like I don't know if anyone else has run into this, but I said I'm just gonna go to another GameStop. There's like seven other ones like right around here. It's like, yeah, that's fine." Okay, so, I I think I would have to look at them and say, "You guys open new yeah. <laughs> games." <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's like an anti-theft uh, uh, thing they have going on. So it's like if there are people out there, like I, I have no idea. It doesn't. I'm just trying to like rationalize like any reason why they would do this. But uh, like it's just you know the, the one time I brought a sealed game in, like hey, like I just want store credit for this. They're like, nope, sorry, can't do it. Yeah, yeah, no. I, it, whenever you try to, I've always heard if you whenever you try to rationalize, you, you're telling rational lies. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's there's no sense in that whatsoever. All right, All right. we're getting sidetracked on the first thing here. We gotta <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so okay, so who's next then, Krabby? I love this next one. Is that Shiboni? Oh yeah, I love this game, and I love that he got it for three dollars. I go. Yep, that's sweet. Okay. One. If, if you haven't played this game, um, it, it's it's not for everybody. It's it's a little bit slower paced. It's not terribly long. You can probably beat it in one sitting. But if you can grab a copy of Eco, which has been uh, re-released on that Eco Shadow uh, PS3 collection, it's just a beautiful game. Never played it, but really, uh, I've I've I, actually yeah. flipped a couple, so the next one I find is coming your way. Um. Okay. I've never never played it, but I would yeah. check it out. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, I, I I tell people this all the time. Like, it's one of my favorite PS2 games. Um, it is not for everyone. Yeah. There are going to be people who pick it up, play it for 20, 30 minutes and say, you know what? I don't get it. I think this is terrible. And that's, that's fine. But it's, you know, if, if you, if you're into a game where you can sit down, kind of get lost in a world and have them and have the game not explain to you how to play it, it's a great experience. So, so you're saying that the people that would just get tired and say, no, I'm going back to Cod Blops 2 or whatever. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've like nothing against those people, but I've literally never met a hardcore first-person shooter fan who cared about this game. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. It, it does, yeah. Okay, and, so. and then moving on, right? Uh, we had Burning Toys. and <laughs> <that> uh, name. <laughs> uh, I like the, like the username there. And he yeah. found, I mean, it was kind of sort of open, but really it was just, it was a packaged WaveBird controller. Seven bucks. Yep, doesn't matter. Seven, seven bucks. If, if that thing was loose, that's a good deal. It did, yeah. Didn't they just, like, slit a piece open to steal the AA batteries out of it or something? Yeah, I mean, it looked like the thing was basically, I mean, yeah, it was just had like a little cut in it. So, yeah, I'd, wonderful I'd deal. be more than happy with seven bucks yep. for that. Yeah, but I've only got one. I still need a few more. Excellent. And uh, then Grey Ghost, he got a few things in, right? Did he get some, some stuff from his from some of his coworkers? Some really excellent titles in there for free. I think I, uh, uh, yeah, I think I ended up, uh, it, it might have been, the, I can't remember if, uh, how long ago it was, but I know that... Uh, I sent him a, a DS game. Um, he was uh, he asked me if um, like what I wanted. For, I had a, a Mario Kart uh, uh, a DS on my uh, for sale, like without you know a number on or anything. And it, he threw me a number. Uh, I said, you know what, it was a little bit low, but uh, you've really you know I've I've noticed uh, some of the deals and some of the, the things he's given other people. So I said, yeah, you can have it for that. That's great. 
Yeah, oh, he's Fantastic. a fairly new member, but he's making a great name for himself with his uh, trades and freebies, and it's just awesome. Can't wait to do something yep. with him in the future. Yeah, and he got like a real, uh, just a nice big bunch of stuff, all free from like a, a son of his coworker. I mean, yeah. Um, yep. So you see, it it just proves you're you're a good person, you're a cool dude. That stuff's gonna come back to you. You better believe it. And he got a couple of cool DS games, right? Oh yeah, that nine-tailed demon fox is probably just salivating over them. Eh? <laughs> I mean, you know, fashion studio and a makeup artist, and that's uh, that's some top tier right there. Yeah, I, I think even, the only thing that, that beats was that it, is was pets it, with a Z. <laughs> yeah, was was it the was it the collector edition makeup artist, or was it just the regular edition? <laughs> yeah, it had like I think the the makeup set that came with it, and the whole thing. Oh man, the pocket mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another new user that's uh, fairly recent sites, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but I'm going to say it's Bernard's. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would you say, Bill? What, who, what would you say about that one? Uh, I actually, you, I think you were you were right about where I was, Bernard's, um, because you, you can't go. Yeah, there, there's really, yeah. there's really no other. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another Bernard. Nope, that's it. <laughs> Bernard's. If there's another way to say that, the congratulations. Anards, maybe I don't know. Ban Bad Nards. <laughs> you can't do it. But he picked nope. up some cool um some cool Genesis games, right? You got Shining Force Two. Mm-hmm. Always a good one. Complete which I yeah, love the, Shining Force. I like the original uh, Shining Force, not the newer stuff. The old Shining Force, I love those. Yeah, so for some reason the Genesis ones have always eluded me. I played three. Um but yeah, still gotta still gotta grab one and two. You yeah, you need to go back and find those for sure. And yeah. the Sega C D one. Very good. Oh yeah, I can attest. He, to that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he also picked up um, Ghouls and Ghosts, which I think much better on the Genesis than on the Super Nintendo. That's my opinion, and I'll stick with it. And um, he picked up a Saturn, right? So we got a couple games and a Saturn with a couple controllers. So nice welcome little, to the Saturn Club. Yeah, nice little starter. And he, and he grabbed, you know, Bugs. One of those weird games. Like uh, I posted like a while ago, like on Facebook or Twitter or something. That like, oh, I grabbed a bunch of Saturn games this weekend. And like three or four people were like, "Oh, did you get bug?" <laughs> and 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 I don't I don't you know I don't look back as at that game as like you know anything that with any significance. I just remember it existing and you know just a you know kind of a generic platformer. But it, it actually I was surprised to hear a few people like, "Oh yeah, you got to get bug. Bugs the bugs the jam." Well, they you know it sold well enough. He had, they came out with bug two. They did. I, yeah, I've always so. thought of that one kind of like Bubsy. It's just everyone's played it, but you know, unless it was the only game you had, no one really liked it. Yeah, I kind of right. lump it in there with Gex. Remember? <laughs> the know, Gex. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it started on 3DO, I think, and yep. just kind of ended up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and, and, okay, and well. Not, not to get sidetracked, but it, it you know, I, this conversation has been had by a lot of people before, but it must be really, really hard to make a really, really good platformer because there are so many mediocre ones out there. Yeah, I think if you're not Nintendo, just move on. <laughs> just uh, you know, let the let the people that know how to work do their work, and just do something else. That's fine. The world needs more Call of Duties, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. Something else. Anyway. You keep you keep bringing that up. I wonder if that's a sore spot. Uh, yeah, I've got a friend and uh, and his wife, and yeah, they're raring they're to play it. some COD blobs too. And I've, uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, it's to, to each his own. It's not just not personally not anything that I would care to. 
you know, put my time into. Yeah, if, if we get time later, I got a little anecdote too, but we'll we'll leave that for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have anything right. against that. It's just uh, I'm like, there's some other games. I'm like, oh man, do you want to get this and we can play? And no, man, I don't have any money. We can cut blobs. Like, all right, know. so so uh, uh, Barracuda with a pretty good uh, uh, little pickup there. Uh, massive lot from a collector. Um, he said about two hundred bucks. Yeah, and it's like this. I mean, we don't have time here, but you can go on the thread and look. Just this huge page, list of it? stuff. Page four sixty, if they want to check it out. I, yeah, I think that's what we have it on. Yeah, um, I mean, and like, I mean, just stacks of stuff. He got all sorts of different systems and games, and then he got. Um, like he did the deal, right? Yeah. And and like the guy called him back later and said, <laughs> "I feel bad for charging you two hundred dollars," and just gave him fifty bucks back. <laughs> and that was like a Craigslist deal too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I'm waiting for that call. Craigslist people, <laughs> wherever you are, I'm here. That's, you... that's, it's it. It really is crazy because it, it looks like six or seven different posts. Like I like you keep scrolling through it, and at first you're like, "Oh, this is like eight people, different people's things." And it's like, "Nope, that's just all the stuff from this one person." He must have just cleared some guy out. I mean, yeah. Completely. Oh no, he yeah, he definitely bought everything in this guy's like you know Rubbermaid containers in his basement. <laughs> yeah, I've never had someone from Craigslist call back and say, "Look, I'm I feel like I overcharged <laughs> you." No, yeah, and then just say, "Okay, I, here, take the money back." <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> Yeah, it'll. I'm sure it'll happen one of these days. He also picked up, um, and I know it was for the PC, but he got him a, a box Miracle Piano. Yeah, that's a really neat one. Yes. So yeah, I'm, you and, know, and I same thing. I saw Box Miracle at a Goodwill uh, not not uh, too terribly long ago. They wanted way too much for it, so I passed. But as he pointed out, I mean, it's just you know, it's the same hardware. It's just uh, uh, you know, some of the different uh, uh, adapter cables that can uh, you know throw it into uh, you know the different systems. So he you know if he wanted to throw it on a Nintendo or Super or Genesis at some point. I mean, the adapter is probably tricky to find, but it's the same hardware. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's a good way to go about it if you're trying to pick one up. I mean, the yeah. NES cart's dirt cheap, and yep. yeah, just trying to source the cable is going to be the yeah. only trick. I, I think Shadow said that he's actually parted several of them out before. Cause he, like, he said it's much easier to buy a near-complete one and part it out, or buy, sorry, buy several near-complete ones keep the pieces you need and part the rest out. He's, I think he said he covered the whole cost of it doing it that way because you get more for individual pieces. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. That's something that I really hope to find locally so I don't have to deal with shipping that thing up here. Yeah, it's, it's especially uh, if it happens after January. Yeah. yeah in, in case anyone hasn't heard, uh, uh, yeah. the uh, the United States has decided to start a war with Canada. <laughs> Uh, a? with the, with their shipping uh, costs, uh, some of the shipping costs are going up anywhere from like thirty to what one hundred and fifty percent, depending on the the weight and the type of mail. Yeah, it seemed yeah. like the average was kind of around eighty percent price hike. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Canada. I mean, I think that's a bum deal. I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah. They're doing that so I can buy more locally instead of uh, buying from you guys. That's it. They're trying to support Check. the Canadian economy, exactly. right? Well, or, yeah, or, or the uh, or the the struggling smuggler economy for all the people who are trying to you know drive games over the border. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna build like the tunnels under the Gaza Strip or whatever. Right? <laughs> they, they have to, yeah, yeah. Vancouver, like Toronto, those are all gonna become like hotbeds for uh, for smuggling games. <laughs> yeah, the the Vancouver Seattle underground game. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. Um, 
Fleech, who is also uh, a kind of a newcomer. But, Welcome. Um, but he found he found a Mega Drive at Goodwill, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I just I just imagine some like very nice British family visiting the United <laughs> States and then opening the suitcase and like I can't, I'm sorry I can't do a British accent. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> You're supposed to take this out of the suitcase before we left. Ah, oh, let's just bring it to this local charity shop. How yeah. else does that get naked here? <laughs> I don't. Or, or is it? Was it a Japanese one? I don't know if it was PAL or Japanese. Did he even know? I guess I didn't pay attention to that either. I just assumed it was a PAL one too. Yeah, hmm. I got. I got no idea. I mean, I guess it could have come either way, but just man, how random would that be? Just, yeah, I would love to do that. And then he also picked up um, what Mario RPG and and Secret of Mana, ten bucks a piece. Yeah, I, I feel re- I feel really good about the number. Like we have a lot of members who have been lucky enough to find Mario RPG yeah. for ten bucks or less. <clears throat> and this is not a a, a, a poke <clears throat> at Duke, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, I think Duke's found his fair share of deals. Let me just put that <laughs> out there first. But yeah, you get you gotta you gotta add an S when you search for NES on uh, Craigslist oh, once in a while, Duke. Oh, that's why it's, that's why I'm missing it. Doug on it. <laughs> and then and then Nine Tail Demon at like what 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 are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with this guy? Oh, I'm having a good He's time with him. He's got some exquisite taste. What are you talking about? I, mean, <laughs> I hope he doesn't I, mind because I I'm really having a lot of fun with him lately. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't appreciate some good, um, you know, possibly bordering on the illegal Mary Kate and Ashley Sweet Sixteen action. I mean You, you know, know what? You, you you pick a niche and you go for it. <laughs> credit. He is going for it. <laughs> you know those games need a home somewhere. Um, they do. So I'm I'm glad that uh it's not an incinerator. <laughs> I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or just to you guys talking before, but I that game's actually a guilty pleasure of mine that I rented once in like high school and me and my friend had a blast really? with it all weekend. Like like as a goof, like oh this will probably be really stupid, and then you were like wow this is great. Yeah, we kind we kind of had this thing Mary where Kate. every time we go to rent a movie, we'd rent one we wanted to see and one that looked horrible, and we do the same with games once sure. in a while. We'd rent one that just looks stupid, and then one we wanted to play. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Bad movie night, bad game night, yeah. totally. All right, whatever, crap. We know you were like plastered your room with like Mary Kate and Ashley posters and stuff. <laughs> so so crabby, so you got uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. What was the bad game that you rented? <laughs> <laughs> So Demon Fox redeemed himself by also grabbing a well, not redeemed himself because Mary Kate and Ashley are awesome, but he also <laughs> picked up a uh, Gray Zelda cart and Starcraft sixty four, two bucks each. And nice. And more recently, he picked up that huge TV on the side of the road for free. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I uh, actually believe it or not, um, it's a, uh, it's not as I mean, it's not common, but it's it's uh, when I was working at Best Buy, uh, the the installers, they when they went to install a new TV, we, they would haul away the old one. And we didn't keep it or sell it or give it away or anything. Like we actually put it right back on a truck that would come like every couple, every like you know twice a week. And they would like recycle the TV, like you know bust it up, break it down. So the like there there was the drivers would always ask like, hey, like since we're destroying that TV, like do you care if I take it? And it it, it wasn't against any rules or anything. We checked and we're like, now you can have it. So I mean, every once in a while, like you know, there's just a great big TV that's uh, you know the installers could take. So it's finding one on the side of the road is just as nice. Especially when you just picked up your copy of Mary Kate and Ashley to play on it. <laughs> That's right. Although I don't know, is that uh, is that a GBA game? Does he need like the the Game Boy Player hooked up to that thing? Uh, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. No, oh, I think that's a yeah. PlayStation game, isn't it? Really? Yeah. That's, that's I'm pretty sure that's what I rented it on back in the day. What do you know? 
And then kind of coming back, I mean, you know, Seavers, too, you know, last month kind of just returned out of the blue, and he, man, he got some good stuff this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I mentioned it before when he kind of came back uh, 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 from the dead from uh, after not being here for a little while. Um, but he had that great story a while back how this guy was selling, like, you know, I think it was like like several hundred complete uh, Nintendo uh, games, like five bucks each, and he made several purchases from that guy, which yeah. I would have done as well. Ended up getting this this complete uh, action set for twenty bucks. Mm, uh, I think the story yeah. was uh, this was a, a like a, ta- a, a what do you call it a yard sale, and it was like an early bird deal. And he showed up, and there was tons of people there, and he was like, "Oh, well, it's not going to still be there." And then it was. It was just back sitting on a table somewhere. Yeah, and a bunch of complete games in there too, right? Up oh, Castlevania. Uh, what else was in there? I would just like be happy with the the nice complete Castlevania. Yeah, it's but, one of Duke's favorites. Yeah, there was a few other ones in there. It's really yeah. fantastic. I was lucky enough that when I first started collecting, I told like a buddy of mine, he was like, oh yeah, I got some, I got some stuff like in my basement. I'll, I'll get it for you. And, uh, I went to his house and, uh, uh, it, it was a pr- bunch of pretty good stuff, but probably the coolest things were complete Castlevania one, two, three. Mm-hmm. So just right when I started, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool to have those like oh, yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. I remember right when I started, you got to, you know, find those trilogies that you loved when you were a kid, you know, the Ninja Gaidens, the Castlevanias, the Marios. So that would be really awesome yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, I was very lucky to get all the like it's same thing with Ninja Gaiden, like kinda right off the bat, so very cool. Now, um Techie four one three um found some nice stuff too. I mean again, is it just it's it's everybody but me, isn't it? It's just everybody but me. I told you you're most not trying like, hard enough. most likely, yeah. So we got a nice complete in box Mario RPG for thirty bucks. Very nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, that's really yeah. good. He also got some junky 32X games, but we don't really need to talk about those. No, 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 no. he got, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> They're misunderstood. It's cool. Uh, yeah, no, I did a, uh, ended up doing a deal with Techie. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember if we mentioned this on the last podcast or not, but uh, uh, he sent me, um, uh, remember we were talking about Parappa a while back? Yes, yes. And how uh, uh, I thought my Parappa collection was getting close, and then you guys just like started firing off uh more obscure titles. So we had to stop so, on your dreams, Bill. Yes. Yeah, had to. It was debunked. And uh, he ended up uh, uh, contacting me and just throwing me the Parappa uh, PSP, uh, Parappa the Rapper. So that was very cool of him. So I ended up uh, throwing him, uh, uh, I think it was NFL Quarterback Club. I think I shot him. And then a bunch of other stuff as well. So why do you hate him to send him Quarterback Club? <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, uh, uh, it was actually, um, uh, I had two of them. And uh, I just wanted to spread that love around. So I sent him my second <laughs> copy. You want to say, thanks for this awesome game. Here's some crap. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, you jerk. <laughs> no, yeah, no, tech's cool. He, he was my, uh, we first, uh, first thing we ever did together was about, uh, it was last Christmas. He was, uh, we were Secret Santas. Oh, cool. Well, we were Secret Santas until we found out that we were each other's Secret Santa. Then you were just Santas. And then it was, then it was and then we were just, just each other's Santas. Santas. Yeah, I, I hope exactly. we do that again. That's a lot of fun. I had a good time with it last year. Yeah, I did too. Now, he also got, um, a lot more complete in box games, including a Chrono Trigger, right? Complete oh man, box. he got. Uh, if if that's the lot, I think that you're talking about the one that's. Uh, I think it was a little bit later, like a uh, that it had. Um, what was it? Was it um, like Mario Kart 64? I think was in there. Was like, it like a, a Breath couple, of Fire. Yeah, Breath of Fire was in there. A couple of Majora's Masks were in there. Ocarina was in there. Um, yeah, just a a big big bunch of great stuff. Yeah, that's good. And then. He got um, a, a Game Boy Micro, which I would like to pick one of those up at some point in time. Wouldn't spend oh, a lot thought, of money thought, on it, but I'd like yeah, to grab I, one. I thought you had one of those. I don't have a Micro, but 
I'm not one of those things where I would spend much on it. I think it'd be fun if I could find one pretty cheap. Yeah, same. Yep. He also got um, uh, a lot of Famicom games, so a nice little assorted lot of stuff <laughs> in there. I think a lot of people this month got did took advantage of um, Sensei Man's mm-hmm. kind of going out of business sale and, and got some lots. Yeah, so I, there's yeah, like I, half a dozen of them popped up on the thread there in the last month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I I contacted Sensei and I you know I got a I got a price I got a quote and I just ended up you know with with the new place and everything just not being able to make something work but I'm glad that a lot of people were able to take advantage of that. Oh yeah, and uh, he even picked up like a little portable Famiclone, so it's like a little portable Famicom mm-hmm. they could play with. I I've seen them online on some Chinese sites, so I'd be kind of curious to see if it's high quality or if it's any good. But it looks kind of cool. Yeah. And then, okay, so this is not video game related. So, well, it is uh, Billy, related. you're Bill, you're a you're a board game guy. So I'll let you take this next one. Oh, what you mean, my uh, like my not video game related, or someone else's not video? Because there's a few. Oh no, Build I'm Star. talking about Build Star. Yeah. Oh, okay, the Zaxxon board game. Yeah, now what's huh? this? I've ne- I've actually never seen this. This is uh, uh this this was new to me, which. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, like uh, anyone who who kind of like plays board games more than just casually knows of the site uh, Board Game Geek. It's it's really the only like major site for uh, you know where board gamers go and kind of you know have forums and you know reviews and buy and sell and trade. It's it's kind of like the it's the RF generation of the board game world. Hmm. And um, their their database of board games it's over sixty one thousand games. Wow. So uh, there's definitely like the staples that everyone kind of knows about, like in the American scene, the Euro scene, um, and then the the ones that have been around forever that everyone knows about. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many random like cool ones thrown in there. I'd never seen the Zaxxon, so this is kind of a cool thing for me to look at. Yeah, it seemed like there was a several of these kind of games floating around back in the you know eighties. Yeah, I personally, when I was a kid, I had a Pac-Man one and a Donkey Kong one. We had Berserk um, when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah. That's interesting. The Donkey Kong one was kind of cool. It had like a little plastic Donkey Kong, and you would like load barrels into him, and then when you like push his arm down, it would like set a barrel down. It was kind of it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it kind of didn't last very long, <laughs> but it was cool at the time. Um. Neo Magic Warrior, he kind of got he kind of a lot of items, but he also got him a, a Nomad for ten bucks, right? Nomads awesome. Nomads are cool. Yeah, Nomads yeah. are great. That's, uh, I've, I've I've had a couple chances to pick one up, and I, I've just held out because I I really do kind of want a boxed one, um, but I have owned uh, several Nomads, and they're definitely cool. Definitely, and I would say probably the biggest score. Of the entire month had to be single banana. Yeah, right? and this one I'm I'm really happy to see because he's he's a big pinball guy if if you guys weren't aware, and he like over a year ago I think it was he let me know that his like dream machine was to find the Bram Stoker's Dracula pinball and he was showing me all these videos. It's got some really cool stuff where some magnets move the ball around and float around really neat, and he finally found one. And not only did he find one, he found one that's in like perfect collector's condition like totally restored for him and just looks amazing yeah i love yeah. pinball see I, I never got i never got into pinball machines like they were cool but i never really kind of you know went gaga over them but the same thing like just reading how how uh how much uh, uh banana wanted this thing and then like you know i went to the site that he posted of like you know here's some info some videos on like how that like you know magnet ball thing works like 
he just he, i'm so happy that uh he's thrilled to own this thing yeah like it's it's his grail for pinball collecting and he's gone through more pinball machines than i've probably played in my life just in his house <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah you, you look at the the picture uh that he posted of the side shot of it and you can see the rest of his collection that's actually the uh, the buyer sent him that picture that's from the guy that owned it oh that's before. okay yeah. that's the guy who had it i think gotcha. he, he keeps around four or five in his house and he rotates them like he'll play them till he gets bored then he'll restore one sell it buy a new machine to replace it but i, I think this one's gonna stick around with him oh yeah yeah he um now he also picked up some Famicom titles now not just um he didn't just get a random lot he got some really some higher quality titles he got a copy of YY World 2 which um if you guys aren't familiar YY World was kind of like these Famicom games there's uh, two of them that came out and what they did is like this um just kind of collection of Konami characters all in one big game so you have like Simon Belmont and you know all these other Konami characters just jammed into one game. So it's pretty cool. I've got those. So that's a good one. Nice pickup there. He got Tetra Star, which is kind of a cool little fighter. Uh, Armadillo, which is this odd little platformer that's pretty good. So those are some really cool um, some Famicom cards he got. And um, looks like he picked up some what, TurboGrafx stuff too. Yeah, filled in a few holes in his TurboGrafx-16 collection. I think he completed uh, Bonk's Adventure, JJ and Jeff, and Splatterhouse now. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. I don't, I don't have those. I've got just mostly shooters for tr- Turbo Graphics. So well, that's mostly cool. what there is on the Turbo Graphics. <laughs> that makes sense. It's fantastic though. It's really good at it. And then uh, lovable gray ghost that we already mentioned uh, helped him out uh, replacing a missing disc he had on his Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, and when it, the story that didn't he say he, like went to his house or like where he grew up or something and went and like had the game but just was missing that disc or something yeah, something like that. And yeah, it didn't take long for someone to throw a disc at him, fill it in. That was awesome. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Very congratulations, but yeah, that's a big month. Yeah. So who else is uh, on the leaderboard next? <laughs> uh, well, if you if we're going in order, we have a list uh, here. Uh, but if we're going in order, um, I I still I'm still holding out my personal uh, favorite as 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 happy as I am for Banana with that machine. Uh, there's something coming a little bit later, but uh, for now, uh, we'll talk about uh, uh, the dude who I messed up his name and his avatar. <laughs> no, no, maybe I think he's got his own stuff wrong. You were right, Bill. <laughs> yeah, he is totally a kitty, and uh, Kid A is a reference to a kitty. So yeah, so Kid A, who's definitely not a Radiohead fan, um, uh, Super Metroid and Pokemon Pinball. Uh, thrift store six dollars. I appreciate the specificity here. Six dollars and forty-four cents. We don't round up on our F Gen. <laughs> no. Look, man, you're trying to get the bottom dollar. Every penny counts. Totally. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, Super Metroid. Uh. Again, like being. Uh. And this is not a, a an age crack on anybody. Being an older gentleman myself. Oh, okay. Give it, me it, a break, Bill. Some, <laughs> sometimes I have to remind myself there are people out there, like younger people and even older people too. Who have not played like Super Metroid and like you know Link to the Past and like some of these you know the games from like the mid '90s that like you know I kind of regard as uh, some of the better ones uh, that I've played. So any time that any like younger you know uh, or like younger than me, anyways, collector can grab a copy of Super Metroid or something like that and play it, uh, it just makes me happy. Yeah, I would say if you've not played Super Metroid, that should be on any gamer's must-play list. 
Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. I, I don't care if you don't like shooters. Like, uh, it, 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 it just doesn't matter. Like, there's a reason Metroidvania is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and, and when they, when people say Metroidvania, they're not talking, they're like, they're, they're talking about, I think anyway, they're talking very specifically about Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night. Yep. Like, to me, those are the, the, the aspects uh, of Metroidvania that made that a genre. And you'll notice that Metroid comes first. It's not the other Correct. way around. It's not, Correct. it's not, Castle-roid. <laughs> Castle-roid. <laughs> See, I, I, Thank you for finding the name of this episode. I, I'm not as big a Metroid fan as you guys. I, uh, I would definitely not put that right. on my must-play list. All right, Krabby, you're wrong, but right. let's move on. And uh, Yeah, so uh, being that we're looking for new uh, new uh, co-hosts on the show, <laughs> just, just submit, and, submit and, your, uh, your uh, email to Duke at awesome.com and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> and, and the one qualification is you must really like Super Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mary Kate and Ashley, I'm looking <laughs> at you, oh, buddy. I only got one out of two. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so um, another person that took advantage of uh, Sensei Man's Famicom deal was... Uh, my, my favorite member to pronounce, so please let me go ahead with uh, Blickle Blisk. <laughs> Blickle Blisk. <laughs> Good old Blickle Blisk. <laughs> got him got him a nice set of Famicom games, so congratulations. I'm glad to see the sickness spreading. That's, uh, <laughs> Do you have, you have any personal favorites in that set, Duke? You know, I think a lot of the stuff that everybody came in was like a lot of just the standard common stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, nothing that was like, oh my gosh, those are really fantastic. But, I mean, everybody's just starting to build a really good library, just in the randoms. Sure. Um. Now, Mr. Mr. Zach Norch, or pretty good month. Zignatch, or whatever we're Zignatch. calling him this month, <laughs> um, he got him a few things. I want to particularly say that he picked up Pinball Hall of Fame, like the God Lead collection. I love those games. That's a really good one. And was it on your uh, recommendation there that he grabbed Coda Princess? I I had put that article on RFGen. I know other people raved about it elsewhere, but. Um, I hope so. I need to get his, like, a friend code or something. I need to play somebody with some Code of Princess. I noticed uh, yeah, just... I've got... Yeah. I was going to say, I noticed just recently, too, he's the one of the big Skylanders nuts over here, so he was pretty happy to pick up uh, Skylanders Giants, finally, and a, a bunch of extra swag with it, too, like the guides and things. Yeah, and I have to say, I absolutely loved his... Um, Optimus Prime mask <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> someone had to, oh, yeah, well, someone yeah. had to get us back on track there. So so yeah so getting to uh, uh, what's it called uh, uh, Shadow's uh, uh, care package. Um, uh, long story short, uh, Krabby visited with uh, Shadow earlier. Uh, was it this year, Krabby? Yeah, it was back in February. Yeah, so earlier this year, um, went down there, hung out, went to you know a couple uh, you know did some hunting together, which is probably great. I was there just uh, last month on a business trip. Um, wouldn't weren't able to hunt or anything, but we did end up uh, you know getting together, having dinner. Uh, it's always cool to see him when I'm down there. And uh, he ended up, uh, as I posted in small scores, uh, gave me a couple black box games, which was an amazing surprise, and uh, like an NHL uh, T-shirt for he uh, from uh, from EA, and uh, uh, just a really really cool care package. So uh, I'd been kind of planning on sending him something back, and Krabby contacted me and said, "Hey, how about a tag team?" So I tagged Krabby in, uh, <laughs> and then we ended up uh, sending him this. Uh, 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 among other things, like some Master System games that he'd been kind of eyeballing for a while. 
this Sonic the Hedgehog hat that I got uh, uh, <laughs> at the Sonic Boom event uh, a couple of years ago. It was like a like a 20th or 25th anniversary Sonic event in LA, like around the time of E3 a couple of years ago. And they were giving these hats away. So I've had it for a while. You know, I don't really wear it. I'm not I'm, I'm not anti-Sonic, but I'm not like an enormous Sonic fan. So I kind of threw it up uh, like a picture of it a while ago. And he was like, ooh, ooh, I'll take it. And I just kind of held on to it for a while. So that uh, picture sparked <laughs> a revolution <laughs> yeah uh, so he remodeled the hat and then um and then yeah zagnorch had to get in on the game with his costume <laughs> and and for for everyone who doesn't know because we were we were uh, uh we were on skype at the time uh when we first saw that uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, I i can't tell you like you guys have heard duke laugh before <laughs> But I don't know if you've heard the level of laugh. <laughs> I haven't even I, seen it today. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> and I, I, I said to him, I was like, oh, you guys see uh, you guys see Zag's uh, picture you just posted up? And both of them were like, no, like, what are you talking about? So I sent it to him like in a Skype message. And Duke explodes. It was so good. It's perfect. Oh, man. That, that was uh, fun. Thank you for the levity. I have to say, it, if any of you that are listening to this are not on RF Generation, you ever want a good laugh, um, come over to the site and read some of Zag Torch's posts. Um, nope. Always keeps me all, entertained. All, yeah, all, all Zag all the time. Yeah. You're, you're feeling down, have a Zag. Uh, yeah, and if you ever want some fun too, he usually like, um, every time the show comes out over on RF Gen, he does like this minute by minute like playthrough of the show. The highlight reel. And I, he love, like, I, like, I love that. Transcribes okay at this minute, and then like he'll say something about what's going on or make some comment. And I'm like, that should be like the mandatory thing that you have to go through while you're watching the show. It's, yeah, well, because like I, I don't uh, I don't normally listen to the show afterwards because I live it. But when <laughs> but when I when, when, I, when I see that like he writes that things okay like here's my highlights from part one of the show it makes me want to like oh I want to go listen to that that sounds awesome. <laughs> It's almost like it never happened for you. Yep. Oh, yeah, but that's hilarious. I mean, if you guys haven't seen the picture, um, oh, my gosh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, now, speaking of Shadow, um, not only did he get some of that stuff, he got something else pretty major, right? Oh, yeah, he, someone, someone new popped on the site mentioning, you know, everyone should play their Vectrix on November 1st. They're doing this big play your Vectrix day. And, you know, it's kind of an obscure system. Not a lot of people have one. And then uh, not only did Shadow pick one up, he picked one up with, like, what, 14 complete-in-box games with it? It's, like, half yeah. the library. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. I've only played, uh, like, a little bit of Vectrex, but it's a pretty cool little system. I've never had the chance. I It's on the top of my want-to-buy list. Yeah, I would encourage you guys. I mean, uh, I, I think I've already mentioned before, I almost bought one, but... Um, it's a pretty neat little system. Very unique. I mean, obviously, yeah, never I've, seen I've never, like that. I've never played it either, and I'd, I'd be really interested in getting one. Absolutely. So, if you guys, um, uh, next time you're at a con or anything, I'm sure you'll probably find one sitting around somewhere. If you stop by and check sure. it out. Yeah, like uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Pax uh, Prime and Pax East, they both have like retro rooms, and uh, there's one in Philadelphia that uh, we're exploring right now called Too Many Games. That's in uh, June, so I know they're all about retro. So, yeah, most most. Uh, gaming cons you go to you can find some of that old stuff just to kind of like pop in and play real quick oh sure like yeah, and definitely like classic gaming expo probably like the midwest gaming classic and then you've got all the big stuff out on the west coast so definitely if you get a chance to check it out um 
pretty cool. And, and if you live anywhere near me, be prepared to travel to get to any of these things. <laughs> there's nothing up well, here. Well, no, if, yeah, if, if you live anywhere near Krabby, then there's Krabby's Gaming Club. I got no Vectrix, though. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and uh, he picked up one last thing. Uh, I think he... Didn't he found like a little NES top loader for a friend of his at the flea market, right? Yeah, I think he finds lots of those. I wish I could find more of those, but yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I've uh, he actually the first time I went down to Florida was when he gave me my top loader. Oh, cool! I gave him uh, like a Sega rental case and I think a Wonder Dog, like a cardboard uh, uh, Sega CD Wonder Dog. Oh yeah. And uh, but yeah, and uh, uh, it was I was I thought that was a very cool trade. I ended up you know trying to send him some more stuff. He's usually good like that though. He he really tries to be the best uh, giver of stuff but uh but yeah the uh the, for some reason i don't know if it's a florida thing or if it's just the people around him the way he hunts but he seems to come across top loaders pretty frequently there's a lot of good flea markets like he just took me like the, what was close to his new place when i went up there and we went to like three really good flea markets and there was still tons more in the area that we didn't hit i'm going to guess that being down south just being warm kind of all year round probably just makes a lot of it more of that stuff available probably because like i said i was markets. there in february and it was still like flea markets everywhere you went yeah now see i where i'm at i mean i'd say probably there's a few that are indoors that kind of run all year round but there's a lot of the open ones that are kind of just summer only and then um what well, uh pwp cody i haven't heard from him in a little while he just showed up with uh some pretty cool stuff right he teased us for a little oh, bit before uh unloading his pictures on us there yeah, what'd he get? Oh, nothing really. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just some crud. I think, he, I think he got a Mario Duck Hunt and Gyromite and like three zappers. That's all you need. Like, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> no, he's um, he's one card away from a full N64 set, right? Yeah, he said he just won the auction for International Super Soccer 2000. Yeah, I mean, how was it like? And was that a rental? Was that the deal? I don't think that was a rental exclusive. I think it just sold poorly at the end of oh. the life cycle type thing. Yes. Yeah, because on the N64, I always hear about that one. I always hear about Sculptor's Cut. And then there's like one other one, isn't there, that I always hear about being kind of hard to find. I think those two are the big ones that kind of jump out at most people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, congratulations, man. One card away, that's... I don't know how you don't get really tempted just to say, forget it. I'm just going to go blow the money and get it. You know what I mean? bucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's where I'm at with uh, Spider-Man Web of Fire. So close yet, so far yeah. away. Right? Yep, it's my last one. Very cool. And um, what about uh, for you guys, right? Well, we, so, we didn't mention uh, PWP Cody's other big lot. Uh, this nice little oh. paper lot there. Your favorite, Duke. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's probably why I forgot about it. So <laughs> here, you, 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 cardboard horse can talk about that when you go right ahead. So, so let me just let me just read like a small excerpt from uh, from his post on this, which he 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 did comment like it maybe should have been a blog post. It was kind of long, but it's totally fine. I don't mind uh, reading something like this in small scores. So uh, basically, he goes into this shop uh, to pick up. Uh, there's a whole bunch of like NES game boxes behind the counter, and I think he said that he mainly collects carts. Um, but, uh, you know, just being able to see these boxes, he's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So he asked this woman, like, how much for all those boxes? And she's like, I don't know, like, how about two bucks a box? And then he says, well, you know, with his, you know, uh, uh, negotiating skills, he says what he should have said. He says, 
okay, like how about one dollar a box? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think I think I, and I I think I'm remembering that right, but uh, but anyway, he ended up uh, I think he ended up paying the two bucks a box, and uh, so eighty one NES boxes for one hundred and sixty bucks. And what he said, like all of them, but like three came with the manuals too. Like everything was great. Yeah. Yeah, and and what happens like it's uh, uh it it looks very very similar to the uh, I mean it's my guess and I may have just skimmed over this he might have actually written it it looks like they bought out the remaining stock from a uh, a rental place yeah cause some because some have like these big stickers and stuff right yep yep and a lot of times rental places um they'll just slit the uh, top plastic which it looks like is the case here they'll remove the game like prepare it for rental. And then they'll keep the box and the manual, everything else separate. So, like when I sold that enormous uh, lot of stuff from the video store that I used to work at last year, the boxes and the, uh, were all pristine because they still had the, the original plastic wrap on them. The carts had some stickers, which people could, you know, clean off if they wanted to. The manuals, they did put stickers on, so that was kind of a, a hindrance for some people. But, uh, yeah, I mean, whenever you can get, uh, um, like I'm finding right now, like I've got like a good, like, tw- uh, I don't know, 15-ish games that I need manuals for, so... Manual hunts kind of suck um, because, uh, I mean, the only real way to, like, get it now is kind of, like, to go the eBay route. So you pay a couple bucks for each one. It's really no big deal. But I just would rather not be on manual hunts all the time because, like, you want to get, like, ten from one seller, but they only have one or two. So you got to buy, like, one or two from, like, five different places, and it's you end up spending, like, $40 on, like, ten manuals. So... But yeah, very very cool to oh, to any to grab that kind of cardboard and that kind of shape for yeah, that price. Yeah, like he didn't get anything like mind blowing in there, but he got a lot of good uncommon boxes in there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I can't begrudge him. I don't, you know, I'm not as excited about cardboard boxes with no games in them. But um, still, for two dollars a piece, I would have bought them too. Yeah. If nothing else, probably no, just no. To you're sell. right. Yeah, I wouldn't be excited about those at all. In fact, I'll pay gladly pay a dollar to take them all off your hands. <laughs> so, I, actually, even better, I'll pay the two bucks each, so everybody wins. It's yeah, it's yeah right. very, very cool. <laughs> and um, Razor Knuckles got some uh, karma back too, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. He got a little shipment, a little present from um, from Zignatch, right? Yeah, Zignatch, and yep. uh, Fleech. They both sent him. Uh, they all know he's into Sonic, obviously, with the. Razor Knuckles name and the, the avatar and and he, every second post is about Sonic anyway. So <laughs> they sent him uh, between the two of them they sent him all these Sonic uh, comic books and like old children's like learning to read uh, Sonic themed books and it was really cool. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked the little doodles. Every time Zagnor sends something <laughs> to somebody, he makes these little doodles <laughs> or little notes or something that he sticks in there. And I I can't say <clears throat> on the show what his <laughs> jotting on, on one of those was, but uh, let's just say I found it amusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so finally, can we talk about you guys? What did you guys get this month? Yeah, you want to go first, Bill? Uh sure. It it won't take very long. Um, I uh, I'm I'm starting to come out of my uh, collecting hibernation. Uh, we're settled in the place, and uh, except for the uh, the what's it called, the uh, the impending hurricane. Um, we're we're, we're <laughs> Pretty much all set as far as like, you know, prepping the, the place and everything. So everything's clean. We got our, you know, bought our dining room table and anything. Oh, before we get too too quick, um, just a couple of days ago, uh, Zignatch uh, posted uh, a very, very nice uh, uh, complete uh, Metroid for the Game Boy Advance from the classic NES series. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it looks like it's like complete, complete, like registration card, like, you know, health and safety info and everything. Um, and that's just, I just mentioned it because 
I thought it was really awesome. So, um, but yeah, so I, so after I came out of my, uh, my collecting hibernation, um, I was, I was just kind of like browsing around, you know, like see what I could, you know, what complete NES games I could get. Cause it's, it's been a little while and I found uh, a, a gentleman on Nintendo age selling a whole bunch and, um, uh, I ended up picking up a uh, heavy shredding, uh, RBI baseball three Sesame street, ABC and let her go round. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Star Voyager. And probably the one I'm most excited about is a uh, track and fields. Uh, so all complete, uh, for the NES, uh, track and field, of course, uh, being uh, one of the last few titles I needed to complete my Konami silver box collection, which, um, you know, I don't know how many people collect like subsets within, uh, systems, uh, I, but I've always, you know, found it very fun. Like the uh, Nintendo black box games are kind of their own subset and you get the silver boxes and, uh, it, it, it doesn't always have to be a publisher, um, but it, it kind of ends up leaning towards that direction. So, uh, just a couple games left. I think it's, uh, uh what is it? Uh, laser invasion, uh, and I think, you know what Laser Invasion might be? Because I picked up Gradius. So, yeah, I'll have to double check just to make sure. But, yeah, I'm pretty close to completing that. And then my uh, non-video game uh, score was uh, finally got my copy of Eclipse uh, board game. Uh, came in from uh, China, and it is mine now. I, I, I don't know what that is, but... Do you remember that I sent you a picture that one time of that really big, complex-looking space oh, exploration oh, game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it looks it's seemingly complex, but it really once you get the the basics of it, it's really pretty simple. It's just there's a lot going on in it. So, like I've said before, uh, imagine like if you ever played Civilization, um, or if anyone's ever like heard of the game Civilization, like imagine multiplayer Civilization in space, and that's what Eclipse is. Huh. So, so backtracking to your silver box, I'm very curious. So, does it irritate you that the SNK boxes were also like silver? Uh, it doesn't irritate me because I end up. Uh, um, I, th- I think I've got pictures uh, in my uh, in like the like the show your collection off thread, so you can kind of see how like my Nintendo ones are all together. And then um, it, it's really no specific order. I just kind of do them how I do them. Maybe I'll, I'll change it at some point. But all the NES black boxes are together. And then like all the uh, like the Capcom, all the Konami, all the Ultra, and then it's just kind of everything else alphabetical. So what what has a tendency to happen is once I notice a box pattern or a box style that I really like, that's when I move it and separate it into its own subset. So um, there's going to be ones that are similar, um, obviously like with something like a, like a claim and uh, LJN um, Ooh, with that LJN. same you know yeah with that kind of black uh, uh, with a rainbow kind of a, a color scheme. So I'm sure they'll end up next to each other at some point. But uh, yeah, no, because the SNKs, they're, they're different enough. Um, what's cool about the, the Silverbox Konamis is not just the fact that uh, they're like silver on the spine, but when you look at the game, like uh, just the front of that cover, um, that silver kind of starts on the edges and then kind of fades into the middle, and the image always uh, uh, comes out over the silver. And it's interesting looking at those changes from one game to the next. Like Contra, you have like the big kind of like flame uh, that comes out and does it in track and field. Obviously, it's the athletes. So I don't know. Something something just always uh, been uh, interesting about some of the the box designs uh, in the NES era for me. So I like finding the designs that I like and then kind of stacking them up together. You know which ones yeah, I really iconic. like? Is those, uh, yeah. I like the Data East ones, like uh, Karnov and Heavy mm-hmm. Barrel and Ring King, where they've got like just the Data East on the top and then that huge box with the really the picture that looks nothing like the game, like the old Atari kind of pictures. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, tr- uh, uh, Trojan uh, is kind of like that for me. Like I-, I remember like taking a copy of Trojan and looking at the front of it and thinking, 
I have no idea what this game is going to be about, like from from the the box art on here. But uh, but yeah, the the uh, the data east are pretty cool too. Yeah, I think probably what my favorite would be like those original Capcom boxes where they had like the dark background with like that red and blue checkerboard thing like floating Trojan. in space. Trojan's oh, got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like and, Mega uh, Man, and what, what Trojan, uh, Gunsmoke, was, Ghosts and Goblins. Like, was it? Se- yeah. Se- was it Section Z? Yeah. Was yes, Section Z. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like. It. I don't know what on earth that stupid red and blue grid thing in space was supposed to be. <laughs> well, it's like remember when you were in? Uh, I don't know if, if you guys, but in grade school, there was always like when you get your class pictures taken, there were like three different backgrounds. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah. Pup, one was like one was like puffy clouds, and then like you could tell you could tell like oh his mom made him choose that. Then like the next one, uh, there's like another generic one, and then there was like the lasers, like those blue and red <laughs> lasers behind you, and I was always like, mom, please let me get the lasers, and she was like, no. <laughs> And I was like, but this, but this other kid, like he gets lasers and she's like, well, his mom is not doing it right. <laughs> uh, your mom yes, just that was a little older, you. So those were probably like my junior high, high school pictures. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. That's uh, glad to see you making a little bit of a comeback, Bill, and picking a few things. Yeah, very, yeah a little bit. I, I had, I had the title a few months ago. It, I definitely don't have it anymore. So uh, I'm very glad to see all the people with uh, all the great scores they've got. Yeah, well, I think everybody's a whole cyclical, that's for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's dominated for too long. Um, so what about, we should get a we should get a belt. <laughs> Zignatch, you hearing me? <laughs> yeah. If anyone can create a RF championship belt, oh, you've given him an idea. Now it'll never stop. <laughs> I bet it's I, I bet it's gonna have like a like a like a spinner on the front with like a Nerf pistol. No, I want I want that Optimus Prime mask head or whatever. That that should be like the prize. On, on the belt. Yeah. <laughs> just bro- just bronze that and throw it on the front of the belt. You know, it's funny actually. Um, a little while, um, about a week or so ago, I met up with a bunch of Nintendo Age guys um, that were local. And one of those guys being John White, which you guys will hear a little bit later in the episode when we do our interview with him. But they have a belt uh, uh, they gave, and it was for something. And uh, it's it is like it's just one of those giant wrestling belts, but it just has like an NES motherboard, you know, <laughs> right on the front of it. So that was kind of cute. That's, that's great. That's pretty cool. So, uh, so Krabby, you got a few things yourself? Yeah, it's it's been slow. Um, I had to go in for kind of an unexpected surgery a couple of weeks ago. So that's right. So it's slice and dice. Me down a little bit. Yeah, darn appendix was uh, giving me trouble. So yeah, I'm I'm sitting and I'm I'm on the way to pick up my daughter um, from practice or something after school, and then all of a sudden, like I get this text from Krabby. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I can join the organ removal club or whatever." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so I'm like, "This is I can't. I can pull over." So I'm like, what? "Are you okay?" <laughs> I was, yeah, no one was coming to visit me in the hospital at the time, so I was trying to find something to do. Talk, talk to <laughs> so, one of you guys. So, so poor Krabby's reaching out to me after yeah. he's got slid open here. <laughs> so right before that, though, I asked Duke to uh, track down a copy of Street Cop and Short Order and Explode for me because they were the last Power Pad games I needed, and I also really wanted to play them. And so he sent them to me, and I got them right when I need to get this thing chopped out of me. So I can't even play them for like two months now <laughs> until I healed. So. Oh, really? They could they couldn't bring it into your uh, room? No, I'm sure they could have, but I'm just you know not physically capable of playing them without opening wounds right now. Oh, yeah. really? So I gotta. You could just heal up. You could just cheat like everybody else did. Just get on the floor and just slap it with your hands. Ah, that's not the same. 
<laughs> so wait, are are they, are they not? They're not U Force compatible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to test that out now. <laughs> um, and That's then, uh, so I haven't been able to go to any of my stores for a little while. Be kind of stuck at home for a while. Um, but I finally yeah, got out to it. one of my favorite places, and he didn't have a whole lot new. But we chatted for a bit, and I asked him if he'd found anything off of my list. And he said no. But then he pulled out a big, huge box that had uh kill zone three special edition in it with the big uh it's got the like hell mask and the little action figure that came with mm. it and the art book and stuff so i ended up picking up that for 25 bucks which is cool i don't even like kill zone three but uh it's a really cool set i like, like the, the mask creepy looking kind of yeah and then my i think i mentioned it before but my local zellers is closing down to convert into a target so they're selling off everything for cheap, and I ended up grabbing a few uh, strategy guides for two bucks a piece, and a Guitar Hero toy that was still sealed for four bucks. So a couple little things here and there, nothing too exciting, but I haven't really been able to go out hunting for a while. Right, but I think by the next show you'll have a little bit to talk about, right? Yeah, next show should I should finally have something big and interesting. Yeah, maybe I'll win the championship belt for once. <laughs> I think you might have the next month wrapped up unless something crazy happens, but uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody will whip off stadium events out of nowhere, but <laughs> we'll see. Maybe you'll finally find that Super Mario RPG for five bucks. Maybe. I, I doubt it at this rate. It I, you, I, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the time of year, if it's been the same for you guys, but I have just found Craigslist to be obnoxiously overrun with people like resellers in my area. And also just crazy dry, like and it might be uh you know like you know that time of year. Um, I find that you know springtime tends to you know bring some more stuff. But I the last few weeks I I started back in my routines of like you know checking the sites regularly, checking the you know Craig's and a few other avenues that I that I uh, go to, and it's uh, and even the guy who runs the local retro shop that I bought uh, you know uh, the last bunch of thirty two X stuff from the like World Series baseball. He he had I was there the other, the last week and he said. He said, dude, like, have you found anything lately? Like Craigslist, anything? And I said, no, it's been months. And he said, dude, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm not finding anything these days. So I don't know if uh, maybe we have too many people listening to the show and all the great tips we have on how to find <laughs> games. But uh, that's got to be it. Oh, no, we quit giving the secrets away, dang it. Yeah. So what you do is you just go to eBay and you just buy, buy, buy. That's, <laughs> buy it now is the way to go, folks. That's how you do it. Just whatever the price is, who cares? Buy it now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, research? Research what you should pay? <laughs> No, or don't, or I don't I have that. a sales thread. You could just, just <laughs> come and buy me out. That's fine. <laughs> well, I um I had a little bit of a busy month um myself. I I I jumped in on that same deal that Sensei Man had. So I I got um, thirty Famicom cards for him, and then I also I got a uh, a game gifted to me. So uh, addicted who's uh, kind of fairly new on the site. He uh, said he had an actual extra copy of uh, Dragon Buster 2 sitting around and asked if I, I needed to have it. I said, sure, yeah, just I really appreciate it. So he sent that over to me. He said, really, very cool. Thank you very much. Um, I also had ordered in like a month or two ago like a massive lot of Famicom games. It's one of those deals where, you know, you just, you're buying like 100 carts at a time. So I finally had the rest of that come in. I'm still working on the cleaning and kind of going through all that. And some of you, if you've been over to our Facebook page, you can see like the boxes that came with these huge things. And so I ended up with some dupes. I'm kind of dealing with sorting through all those things right now, but um, some cool things. I got um, 
I won a, a little auction over at Nintendo Age, so I got a couple of the Fun Club news issues that I've been kind of hunting around for for a while. Nice. Uh, those are always kind of fun to go back and look at and um, <laughs> read the what was just thrilling <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Maybe now you're like, okay. <laughs> I, not I quite need to have some clue. sort of paper weakness. Uh yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not not for tons of that. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. I also did <clears throat> a trade uh, with Nine Tail Demon Fox for uh, he had a, a Turtle Beach headset, you know, for the 360. And, um, and my wife so you gave him your, your best Bratz games for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I unloaded and. Uh, well, my wife here lately had been really griping at me because I'm making too much noise while everybody's trying to sleep. Um, so I'd been looking around about thinking about getting something like this anyway. So when he put it on his thread, I was like, that's just perfect. So we worked out a pretty good deal. I was really pretty happy about that. So thank you very much for that. Also, speaking of a, another trade that I did, I traded um, Noise Redux. He um, he messaged me. He was interested in that... Um, that um, XI or whatever we decided to call that last time <laughs> yep, that I had picked I think that's up. What we did. And um, <clears throat> he traded me this uh, complete uh, Hyperboy, which is in, it was Japan only. It's an accessory for the um, Game Boy. And basically the Game Boy just slots right into this thing and you put batteries in it. <clears throat> so it's got a light and a magnifier for the screen to make it bigger. And then it has like arcade style controls. So you have like a stick and buttons. Mm -hmm. And it actually actuates like these little things that press on the actual Game Boy buttons. Um, so it kind of turns into yeah, like a little I've, arcade yeah. unit. I've got a similar thing that came out over here uh, that Radio Shack produced. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's like, yeah, like the Game Boy like goes inside of it. Like, at least on, on the one I have, like it goes inside. And then like it's got like kind of like an arcade uh, stick and buttons that when you press them, they just press the buttons on the, you know, on the Game Boy inside of it. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've not seen that one. Like this is like this really big kind of. A pretty good sized unit, um, so that's really cool. I'm, it is really so new looking and like with the cardboard <laughs> and the, I mean I'm really I've been kind of afraid to even take it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I've I've not I've not ventured that uh, quite yet. Uh, I also just like Zagnorch, I I got my copy of Code of Princess in, so I was pretty excited about that. It's uh it's very good if you guys should pick it up and if any of you out there are listening um uh maybe i'll get around i can post my 3ds friend code or you guys can send me a message if you want if you guys want to play some code of princess uh online i'd, I'd definitely like to do that i think we have a friend code uh, uh thread don't we we do i think i posted in it but in the way that it works like friend, co friend codes don't you have to have each others for it to work right yeah i think so correct yeah so so you would have to put in um uh, you have to put in theirs, they have to put in yours. Once you both put in the friend code, then the person shows up on your uh, 3DS. Right. So once you go on and get someone's, then you have to just, you know, make sure that they're, you kind of have to exchange yours. So it's like a bit of a process, but uh, there are some rumors that uh, Nintendo may be doing away with that. So that's a step in the right direction for them. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, if somebody's got that and they want to swap, you know, just you, there's a lot of different ways to get a hold of me. That'd be pretty cool. I'd like to do that. I also picked up a loose copy of Shining Force 3, finally. Uh, man, I've been looking for Shining Force 3. That was not ridiculously expensive <laughs> for a very long time, so I was really pretty happy to pick that one up. I've not played that one. So, Bill, you said you that's the one you have played? Uh, yes. So is it really good? I remember enjoying it. Good, good. Uh, you, you know, I mean, we 
it's we talk about uh, like rose-colored glasses a little <laughs> bit. Um, there's a lot of games that I remember being amazing, and then you kind of play them again. But they're still good. Like you, 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 they're still you know like fun. They're what you remember. But you're kind of like wow, like I, I really don't remember it looking like this, you know, or you know stuff like that. So I, I remember enjoying it. And uh, just one last thing I'll mention um, specifically, just because Krabby, I know you'll appreciate this. I got in my um, the Famicom version of the of the Power Pad, the Bandai Family Trainer Pad. He's trying to rub it in because I can't use that one either. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, you know now I can say I can uh, sort of almost join the Stadium Events Club too because I've got the the Japanese version of that now. So. Nice. <laughs> let's have uh, when I get better. Let's have a race. Hurdles. <laughs> you'll, you'll destroy me. I have no doubt. <laughs> But yeah, I got the I got the pad. The thing looks almost like brand new, uh, and um, like three of the games that came with it. So it'll be kind of cool to bust that out and play with it. I know that there's a couple guys over on Nintendo Age that are doing some reproductions of some of those Power Pad games, but for the NES. But you still have to have that pad to play them. So they're doing some translation. I'm, I'd like to check some of those out. They'll be kind of fun. Interesting. There was a lot of Power Pad stuff that came out of there. It was very different than what we got here, and, and seems kind of interesting. Yeah, most of the games we got here were just kind of the same thing with a couple exceptions. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to check it out. I mean, you know, heck, if it gets my butt up, it's, it's got to be more than, like, Connect promised that it would get me up off the couch, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> now you just yelled to turn yeah. on your Netflix is all? Yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's really convenient. I, if I have to give one thing to Connect, it's that I can totally control it to watch my movies and TV while I'm cleaning games, so I don't have to, like, take my hands off. I, I do that. I'll like walk around like the kitchen and just, you know, tell it, you know, like next video or like, you know, whatever voice command I need. Um, like playing games, uh, uh, the Mass Effect 3 commands are as far as I've ever used voice in games. Yeah, the Skyrim commands work pretty good too. But yeah, I just... Uh... You know what's weird is I've, I've got a pretty... I don't know if this is because of my speakers, but I've got a, uh, I've got a surround sound system. Um, but but like a, pr- a pretty good one. Like back when I worked at Best Buy, I got a pretty big discount on some of the high end stuff. So I figured, whatever, I'm not going to work here much longer. Let me get a sound <laughs> system. So the thing is, like every time, like just walking through the environment, if I turn the connect uh, like voice commands on, I get the, a constant error. I can't understand what you're saying. Like error, no. Like the microphone <laughs> slash through, no, no. So it's like, and then you'll go find someone, and they're like, ah. So you want to go, error, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're trying to say to me because like the center speaker of my sound system, the connect is on top of the television, like four or five feet away. Yeah. And it still like picks up that uh, audio. So I don't know, maybe I, maybe I got to tweak it a little bit, but uh, I haven't been able to get it to work as well as I would like. Yeah, I would say I've got the same thing. I've got like a really nice um, surround setup in where I've got my gaming. And you can go into like the connect tuner and there's like a calibration that you can do and you turn it up pretty loud. And mm-hmm. if you do that, it, it usually does a pretty good job of kind of weeding you know what, that yeah, That's a good point. Because when I first bought it, I was in a different uh, location. So now that I've changed rooms of the connection, I should probably recalibrate it. Yeah, I think if you go through the tuner again and kind of give it some volume, you, you'll be surprised. Mine doesn't ever do that. It works pretty well. And I, cool. I'm half deaf, so I keep the games pretty loud, as my wife would tell you. And why? And I have, I have headphones. <laughs> wow, that's. And I know we again. I really parse this down a lot, and so if we miss some of your stuff, um, just keep posting. We'll definitely squeeze everything in. And um, thanks everybody for making it a pretty exciting month. Totally. 
Right, well, everybody, we um, on we we're kind of blessed with a special guest for this episode. So um, a little bit later on, we're going to have an interview with John White, who is the creator of Assimilate for the for the NES, a, a game that came out earlier this year, homebrew title, and it kind of gives us a little opportunity to talk about homebrews in general. We're, we'll talk more in depth about this maybe in a, a later episode, but kind of leading to this. Kind of how all this started out was, um, first off, they announced over Nintendo Age, John did that they were, he was making this new game, and and you'll hear all about that in the interview, but I picked up a copy of it, and Krabby, you got a copy too, right? Yeah, and you were nice enough to get John to, you're both nice enough to uh, get it all signed up for me, so John's uh, put his little signature on uh, the cart and box and manual for me, so it's really awesome, it's got a special place in my collection now. Yeah, and we'll, you'll hear in the interview we talk a little bit more about the game and specifics and whatnot, but um, that was probably one of the big homebrew releases of this year. I mean, there's generally not, I mean, on the on the NES, I'll say that anyway. They come out, but there's usually not a ton of these things every year. Um, I mean, I know, Bill, didn't you do like a reproduction of, of a game at one point in time that wasn't released? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't really take a credit for it since it was a... Uh... It was a uh, uh, it was an NHL '94 ROM uh, for the Genesis, uh, which is you know still a very popular uh, uh, game among people who you know loved it back in those uh, the mid '90s. There, it's still played like in you know college uh, dorms and tournaments every Christmas in certain places. But um, I I decided you know I was just thinking one day like you know wouldn't it be great to play this game with you know the modern players on there? Just kind of like you know. I, all I was thinking was like, you know, edit in the players' names so it just looked like the current guys were playing. And then I kind of just did some searching for it and realized that there's this group, um, or actually several groups, like uh, who who do this. Like they they get together and they all kind of work on the ROM, but they go all out. They go like they do like the the player st- they rearrange all the player stats. They get like headshots for every player. They change out the uh, uh, the the announcers like picture and name and text. They change the title screen like. It's it's as much as EA would do in a new release of a sports game, uh, you know, back in the Genesis days. So um, I decided uh, that I was going to, you know, try to get one of these carts made. So I took a ROM that uh, the guys on NHL94.com had already started. And I made my, I, you know, I went through like, you know, two dozen tutorials about, uh, uh, you know, like how to work with, uh, you know, the graphics and the, uh, and the code and the editing programs I would need. And it took me a couple of weeks for something that probably takes like a talented programmer like ten minutes to do, but I made myself a title screen. Um, I, uh, you know, added some credits. I changed some text. I, I added the uh, the home team announced for my favorite team. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was uh, uh, you know a learning experience. And to think that there are people who just decide, like do that same thing, but say you know what? I'm going to make a game from scratch. Um, that's that's it's mind boggling to me. Like someone who you know doesn't really know how to get started and something like that. I. I think we may have mentioned before, you know, you know there's there's um, also people, I think, that do that same sort of thing, but with, like, Tecmo Bowl every year on the NES. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yep. They, they kind of do a ROM hack of that. And um, so, yeah, I think reprogramming, I mean, even even ROM hacks are pretty cool. I mean, definitely, like you said, being able to say, hey, look, I'm just going to start from scratch and build something. Um, and those of you that are not on RFGen, the... Um, Single Bananas done a couple interviews with some Vectrex programmers, right? Do you guys read those? Oh, I love those, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're great. So kind of a, some ongoing homebrewer interviews with the guys that are making some um, Vectrex carts. Um, 
I know just announced over on Nintendo Age, they're doing a Homebrew Championship 2012 cart. So it's going to be kind of like the Nintendo World Championship cart where it's got like the switches and everything, but it's going to be the same sort of thing where you you race against time for a score, but it's like a bunch of homebrew titles. Yeah, that's kind of a neat idea. I like it. Yeah, they're they're doing like a limited run of some special edition ones, and then it'll be available for everybody on RetroZone a little bit later. So um, that's pretty cool. And speaking of RetroZone, there's a lot of great um, homebrew titles for sale over there, right? Yeah, and I've I've dealt with them once before, and they were fantastic. Very good. Now, Bill, have you ever bought any homebrew games? You know what? I uh, uh, Besides, you know, paying to put the one together that I uh, did, um, I actually sent it over to um, uh, Mr. Mark and uh, BeaglePuss over on uh, uh, Sega Age. They do a lot of... Uh, a lot of Sega, uh, like homebrew stuff, like uh, so. I asked him if I sent him the ROM, would he throw it together for me? So, um, but yeah, that, that's re- that's really it. I mean, uh, uh, I'm not as familiar with uh, uh, the homebrew scene as a lot of uh, you know more seasoned uh, uh, collectors or people who are just into that kind of stuff. But it's it's a very interesting uh, uh, part that I'd like to kind of get to know more about. So, does picking these up that are new games for old systems does this appeal to either one of you, or is it just like you know now? The old games are what they are, and they're just, that's all I'm interested in. It definitely appeals to me, but my priority is always going to be getting the licensed stuff first, mm-hmm. um, with a few exceptions. Um, and it's, there's just so, so many, and they go out of print so fast, I never see myself going too crazy into them. But ones that are for sale for a long time, like that are really good, like Battle Kid. Yeah, like those things are games. I think uh, anyone who loves the NES and wants to keep exploring it should definitely check out. And Bill, you're into um, Sega. There's been a couple of those. Like I know Pure Solar was a big release, right? Uh, yeah, and, and again, like it was weird. Like a lot of these, uh, uh, a lot of these things, I just would have never have heard of if I wasn't out there looking for a method to. Uh, you know, print out the this this you know ROM hack that I was kind of working on. So uh, one of the things that uh, I learned was you know when I found the reproduction thread uh, was that like Mr. Mark and Beagle they have this huge list of like the 15, 20, 30, whatever however many games that they have at any given time, and uh, you know they get lots of requests and they get uh, uh, I mean th- these are mainly reproductions I'm talking about like as far as homebrew like it's kind of like a mix because they they're just like a they're like a cart uh, maker, like reprinter uh, kind of a, a team over there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's really, I mean, it's it's you guys made fun of me for it, but like when you when you guys were talking about like Battle Kid and some of the other uh, like the well known homebrews, I'm just not familiar with them. They're just not you know in on my regular radar. Like uh, like Crab said, like the like the licensed Nintendo stuff is kind of what I'm after. And uh, anything apart from that, like if it's cool, if someone says like, hey dude, you really got to check this game out. It's really awesome. Then I'll check it out. But it's not the same as like the licensed stuff where I'm like actively searching. Okay, what new homebrews are out there? Like, what can I grab? Yeah, and that's something I've lamented about in the past, and I've still not seen anything good. I wish there was somebody that would take the initiative to create a uh, kind of like a uh, website that would be like a hub for homebrew news. So yeah. you know, you no matter what system you know, people, publisher. I mean, people that program games could put their information out. You'd have like an upcoming schedule of releases. I know as saying this, then somebody will just say, well, why don't you get off your butt and do that? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I'm already, 
the three of us are already tying our funds up into keeping this show afloat. So I don't know about yeah. <laughs> designing a, a site and hosting that, but um, I would really like to see that. So if any of you listen to this, um, that would be really pretty cool. It'd be a really nice if there was one new source to go to because it's kind of hard. Now you have to kind of just either hear about it randomly or just like dedicated, just try to track this information down over and over and over again, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm not sure there would be a call for getting a hub for multiple systems because it seems like everyone gravitates towards their their own system. You know, the forums like you'll have the Nintendo Age guys talking about the NES ones. You'll have the Dreamcast guys talking about our own Sega sites. Um, it's really kind of scattered. I don't know if there's anything that would pull them all together like that. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think it would be interesting and. I've heard it bandied about a few times, but I just don't think that anybody's gone the full step of making it happen. I'd like to see it, so if if somebody wants to do that, because I would think that the people creating the games would like to have a place to advertise it, you know, to a point and get it out sure. there. So, and I'll also throw this out there that if anybody that's listening to the show, if you're making a homebrew game, and you know you'd like us to talk about it on the show, get send send me or Krabby or Bill, send us a message. We'd be happy to have you on the show, talk about your game. If you want to give us an evaluation copy, take a look at that. Um, I mean, I think this stuff is really fantastic that these systems have been gone for 20, 30 years. There's still new games coming out for them. It's just kind of a testament to how loved these machines are, right? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I found out that... Uh... You know, like a new Dreamcast game was uh, was getting like produced, or like a new like a there's there's something just just interesting about like a full on release too. Like it's great when a card can be made, but like guys out there like Uncle Tusk, who uh, I think you'll hear about uh, in the John White interview, who's a a, a well known uh, uh, box and cardboard reproduction guy uh, in the collector scene, um, for for a card to be made. And for just like for someone out there like Tusk, who you know is is a pretty you know prominent box reproduction guy uh, in the collector scene, for for you to be able to make like a full on like cardboard manual like the whole deal like release and throw it in your collection is really pretty amazing. Yeah, and some of these things, I mean, I was really astounded. I know it didn't get much traction on RF Gen, but I posted over there that there is a new um, add-on for the ColecoVision that's coming out soon. Um, like another expansion module, the Super Game module. And it's actually a licensed peripheral for the ColecoVision. However, I mean, what? You know, 30 years <laughs> after the ColecoVision was put out? Um, I don't know how they managed to do that, but it is. It's fully licensed. It's The box has got the Coleco name on it. You look, it's got the manual, the whole thing. So, I mean, for a collection site like us, uh, once you get to the point where something like that, even this far out, is officially licensed, don't you think that kind of becomes part of that set then, even though it's been 30 years? Yeah, it's some interesting stuff like that happening. Like, just with that, um, the Cheetah Men 2 thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that Neo Geo X system. Like, there's some right. some weird stuff happening all of a sudden. Well, I think people are just recognizing, hey, look, people are spending a lot of money to go back and play some of these old games. Let's give people an alternative if they want to maybe just play and not spend all the money to collect if you're not a collector. Right. Right? Yeah, it kind of appeals to both camps, I guess. Sure, sure. I mean, are, do either of you guys have any interest whatsoever in the Neo Geo X? Oh, yes. If I 
didn't slap down my money on a Wii U, it would have definitely gone onto there instead, and it still might. I'm, I, I got to decide <laughs> quick. Really? Yeah. Um, do you think it will run out or something? Or no, I just think it's really neat system. I can't see it dropping too crazy right away because it's already a real niche. And then you get the pre-order bonus game is kind of the only incentive for me to do it really quick now. Gotcha. Um, Bill, you have any interest in something like that? Um, I'm like it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me. I don't have any personal interest in uh, uh, in acquiring it, and it's not because it's not cool. I think it is really cool. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, uh, myself and several others on the site have done recently is uh, uh, I'm I'm really trying to focus uh, like my collection, my cone of collecting, <laughs> onto, like onto, cone onto my of priorities. Collecting. Yeah, so I've got a cone of collect. If you ever played Metal Gear Solid, you had a cone of collecting right in front of you. <laughs> I can see that, like and, as uh, you're walking around on the radar, there's just this. I yep. only see this. Yep, and it's like if you go to like a flea market or Google or something. If you walk in and kind of look at everything, and it's it's you just got to narrow that view down to just what you're looking for. So I, I've said no to a lot more things recently. I've walked away from a lot more things. Uh, uh, I saw a copy of a, a Killer Inst- a box copy of Killer Instinct at Goodwill uh, like a month back. And I considered it. It was only like four or five bucks. It wasn't in great shape, so I wouldn't have resold it. I would have just kept it in my, you know, in the average area of my collection. But I said, you know what? It's really not a priority. Even though it's only four bucks, I'm going to pass on it. So um, the Neo Geo, like once when I heard about it, I was like, ah, that sounds all right. Then when I saw it, I was like, wow, that looks way cooler than I, you know, for whatever reason than what I thought it was going to be. But but yeah, I'm I'm just kind of at a point where I'm really only uh, you know going after the things that are like super on my radar. I right keep now. saying I'm going to do that, and then I end up with Duke CDI. <laughs> 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 now you've been laid up. How come you haven't been playing that thing more, Krabby? Um, because it got packed away into my game room, and then we moved, or I didn't. Just, I shouldn't say we. My wife moved a whole bunch of stuff into my game room for our renovation we're doing in the basement. So I really don't have much access in there right now, being as I'm too scared to lift anything heavy. So I tear my uh, my newly, hey, smart man. Yeah, my newly yeah. cut belly. Um, so I kind of have to wait until I get better, or we or my wife moves it out for me. Well, I can't wait till the first time we get together, we can compare scars. <laughs> <laughs> no fair, you got those cool old school ones. <laughs> yeah, I look like I was in a shark attack. Yeah, or mine something. are all laparoscopic. There's nothing to show. <clears throat> I got nothing. Uh, be happy. Uh, yeah, you're getting older too. Don't worry, your time will come. <laughs> I'll, I'll get it. I'll get that uh, procedure sooner or later. <laughs> and I can certainly see, like Krabby, with you. I mean, being a big Neo Geo guy. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm that a would big be just Neo like Geo nin- guy. I'm just kind of discovering it, kind of a newbie still. Well, I mean, that would be just like if if Nintendo came out and said, "Hey, look, we're doing an NES Model 3. Um, I would go buy one. <laughs> I don't need it. Yeah. But if Nintendo put right. an official yeah. one out, I would go buy one. Yeah, like I, I just got too. my US AES system um, at the start of the year, maybe late last year. So I haven't had it all that long. And I still really want this. <laughs> I don't know. But you, you really like it, right? I do, yeah. I love it. It's something I fantasized about as a kid forever. And it was just, you could, you could never afford one. I didn't know oh, anyone yeah. that had one. I never saw one for sale in a store. It was just gaming magazines was the only place this thing lived for me when I was a kid. So it's amazing for me to see it coming out for sale again. As an adult, I can now finally afford it. 
So I'm curious, back to talking about homebrews again, I mean, I know homebrews are typically software, we're kind of bleeding into hardware a little bit, but I mean, still, it's it's new things for old systems, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I'm going to be really curious to see kind of what happens with this ColecoVision expansion. I'm not a big Coleco guy, um, but that really fascinates me that you're going to get a new officially licensed add-on for a 30-year-old machine. Um, so if it happens there with Coleco, you know, wait for it to happen with something else. I really kind of scratch my head sometimes to wonder if Nintendo ever ever even stopped to think about how much money they could probably make if they went back and re-released them. Because you look at these like cheap mm -hmm. knockoff systems, right? Like these retro duos or retrons or all these things that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I th I think you're really. I mean, we could get into a huge discussion about that, so I don't, I don't want to get like too far into it. But I mean, I I think that 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 line can be drawn to a lot of different things. Like, uh, like I I know your your personal feelings on uh, on Final Fantasy VII aren't as maybe as positive as a lot of other people's, but it's one of the things I hear all the time, like on Twitter and just talking to old games with people is. Does Square know how much money they can make if they actually did that? You know, Final Fantasy VII remake people are asking for, and that kind of bleeds into so many other things. And when you start talking to these companies, like you know, hey, like, do you guys know how awesome you could you know do if you if you did this? And the response that I get from so many of these people that uh, the ones that I've had a chance to talk to anyway is, you know, like like yeah, we know we could, but it's I mean very very rarely do creators and you know people who are like you know making new things very rarely do they want to go backwards um and that's i think where where most of it comes from which is why a lot of times when you get like a game that's a, like a port of a game it's outsourced it goes to another studio like you're not going to take the same like uh, creative geniuses who just made this great game and just have them spend six to eight months porting it to another system you're going to have them make something new so i think that's one of the reasons why you see uh you know you don't see officially made you know, like, you know, remakes of things by uh, by a first party very often. Well, I don't know. I mean, Square really pimps out Final Fantasy. I mean, how many remakes of Final Fantasy IV? <laughs> uh, not, uh, not, not that many. Well, you, got, you got PSP, you got DS, you've got GBA. iOS. Um, you've got the original. You had the collection stuff on PlayStation 1. Yeah, stuff. You've had the virtual console releases. Yeah, probably, there's probably an iOS one. There is an there iOS somewhere. one, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I don't want to hear that excuse. Um, don't get me wrong. Probably, like you said, they've been outsourced to some other people. But, um, right. you know, just saying. Uh, I know if, if small-time people like RetroZone can create carts and it has to be profitable enough to do it or they wouldn't, right. um, hello, Nintendo. Yeah, I asked, I asked a guy who used to work at Sega, if uh, what like and I, I knew the answer for you. I was just curious what his answer was. I, this guy used to be uh, head of content for Sega of Europe, and I asked him, "What are the chances of Sega? You know, me being uh, all up on this Neptune joint. Uh, <laughs> so what are the chances of Sega kickstarting the Neptune? Like again, like yeah, they're a company that has like relationships with like publishers and you know like hardware manufacturers and everything, but all they would be doing." is using Kickstarter as a gauge to see are there enough people out there who want this old thing for us to put the money in to make it. So what better way than to get the money up front from all the people who would be interested? And, uh, you know, the answer I got back is pretty much what I expected, is he said, you know, uh, he can't imagine 
a circumstance where a major company like that with all those relationships uh, like already already made would ever consider using Kickstarter because if if you know if a major company like that would would go that route uh he said uh, there there would be lots of problems with those uh with those relationships so uh yeah it's uh, it's one of those things that like if it's going to happen it's going to happen internally organically or you know by like fan outcry but uh uh i mean there's there's definitely you know a market for a lot of that stuff it just doesn't happen that often yeah well i mean I look at the um growth of homebrew titles on the NES and the Vectrex and the 2600 and the Intellivision and you know these systems aren't dying they're not going away um people refuse to give up on them and there's i mean you, obviously you can look there's a market you look at these like i was saying these retron systems uh, they're still putting out hard, hardware you can still get clones for the NES and for the Famicom, I mean, those like uh, Atari flashback things those sold like crazy a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we're probably moving a little away from that topic, and, and maybe we come back to that at some point in time. But I mean, it still is this whole same idea of new things for old systems, right? Yeah. Right. So I mean, even some crazy stuff like uh, what Halo twenty six hundred, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I was at CGE when that launched, and um, I played it. I'm not a Halo fan, so I mean, I and um, I appreciate the the act of doing it, but I'm gonna be real honest with you, I, it's not very good. <laughs> I didn't think, but then again, I'm not a big 2600 guy. I, you know, again though, it just there's a lot of love for these machines that are out there. So I played. Uh, you know, a, and I guess this was kind of maybe a port, but I played uh, Centastar on the 5200, and it was fantastic. It was really great. I I know, like, every year um, RetroZone does, like, their Christmas carts for, like, Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and they have, like, lights and everything that are in them. Right, yeah. Those yep, are neat yep. things. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I've said over the years I was always going to get, I'm going to get one this year. I don't care. <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be a sparkly cart <laughs> sitting on top of my Nintendo. <laughs> One way or another. Uh, you'll hear in an interview that's coming up, we're going to talk to John. John obviously took the time to program a game from scratch, and um, you'll hear our interactions about that. But we'd, um, we'd also like to hear from you folks, too. So what are your thoughts on homebrews? What do you think? you like them? Do they do new licensed things belong in a, a set from a system that's years and years old, or is this something that's totally different? Feel free to chime in and let us know. Right, well, we wanted to take a moment to um, interview a homebrew developer uh, on the show. Uh, gentleman has created his own game, has it up for sale, has sold a few copies and done pretty well with it. So um, let's welcome aboard John White. Hi, John. How you doing? Hey, Duke. Pretty good. Um, glad you could take a moment to be on the show um, and fantastic that you took the time to create a game. So hopefully, if you don't mind, we're going to pick your brain for a little bit about it. Yep, sounds good. Thanks for having me. So, um, first off, John, do you just want to tell us maybe a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Uh, I'm 31. Uh, live in Indianapolis currently. 
Uh, for an occupation, I do basically IT and other horrifically boring menial <laughs> office tasks. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I uh, I got involved with uh, NES development about two and a half, three years ago, probably, just as a hobby. And uh, have been a long-time gamer, pretty much lifelong gamer. And uh, I really dig modern gen currently, um, but I'm also, you know, definitely a retro gamer at heart. Yeah, now you've been over on Nintendo Age for a while, is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I started, I mean, I basically started at Nestev, you know, when I was kind of exploring NES development at first. And um, that was just kind of as a curiosity here and there. And then basically went over to Nintendo Age because they had tutorials that I could understand. Because, you know, I don't come from a programming background, really. Um, and then, I mean, I didn't even really understand Nintendo Age was a collector site to begin with. I didn't even really know there was this whole huge collecting scene for retro <laughs> video games, to be honest with you. And I was really just on Nintendo Age, same reason I was on Nestev, was reading all these little tutorials and, and snippets about NES development. And um, basically went over there to, um, once I actually had a game in development, was just kind of uh, there to uh, advertise my game. Um, but for the first several months, it was just there, you know, asking questions about different stuff on NES Homebrew and working on my own demos, posting those demos, you know, getting feedback on them, all that kind of stuff. But, no, I've been an NA member now for, oh, practical, well over two years, I would think. So so what makes you wake up one day and just go, you know, I don't know how to code. Um, I just, I'm going to make an NES game. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was, um, I guess it started at um, uh, the very first MAGFest I attended. I had like four or five years ago, I had played around with a little bit of NES homebrew when it's still kind of, it wasn't really in its infancy, but it was kind of in like this middle phase. It wasn't really matured like it is right now. Um, I mean, it started out, I think the current NES homebrew scene started out probably around the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, and by the time I first started looking at it, there was plenty of stuff that was accessible, but the problem was a lot of the assemblers weren't really accurate. You know, they the stuff you made with the assemblers, which is basically what turns your code into the ROM that plays on the NES or NES emulator. A lot of them had problems where your code may have worked, it may not have worked, it might have been your fault, it might not have been your fault. So I got pretty frustrated with that like four or five years ago when I first looked at it. But then, um, about two or three years ago, I was at the very first MAGFest I ever attended, and Civic, the guy who created Battle Kid, was just kind of there informally talking about Battle Kid, um, you know, which hadn't been released yet. Nobody really knew that much about it. And like I said, I had seen NES homebrew games before, but they're like these one-screen demos and stuff like that. And... Um, I, he basically, Civic had like this panel that wasn't on the schedule or anything. They just basically were like, hey, nobody's using this panel room now. Go on in and, you know, show your game off. And I was like, whoa, somebody made an NES game? So I like go in there. There was maybe like a dozen of us in there watching Civic show Battle Kid. And I was just in awe because I'm like, oh, my God, somebody made an actual NES game. I mean, this is like platforming physics, you know, it's 
it's a, an actual whole world you explore. Yeah, you Battle know, Kit's like, great. Yeah, exactly. So that really got me seriously looking at NES development again. I still didn't have a lot of programming experience. I mean, here and there, I've kind of messed around with different stuff throughout my life, but I would get frustrated after a couple months and give up. So about two months later, I was just bored at work, and I'm like, you know, I remember that Nestev site. Um, you know, I wonder if there's anything about that Battle Kid game there, or, you know, what else is there. And so I go on to, you know, Nestev, and I start looking around, I'm like, I wonder how, you know, some of this stuff works. I remember looking at this years ago, but I mean, really, how does certain little things work? And I, I just started asking some questions in the noob part of the forum, and um, from there, it just snowballed, and I became hooked on, you know, learning more and more about the NES hardware and how to make it function. Um, the Simulate game is quite a unique style to it. Was there any older games that, like, inspired it, or was this kind of a kernel that came out of your own thoughts? It was, yeah, I get asked that a lot. <laughs> and I I hate to give the true answer because (laughs) (laughs) there was really no grand vision from the beginning by any means. You know, I mean, professional game developers sit down, you know, they have design documents and, you know, those are grilled over and over again. And, you know, uh, there was nothing like that. I mean, I have maybe a half page word document towards the beginning that I called a design doc. And that was maybe five months, that was generated maybe five months of me even working into what became the game. So it really started as a bunch of um, matured versions of all these demos that I was doing. Like like I mentioned, you know how I was starting to get interested in NES development. And it was really just about finding how different facets of the NES hardware worked. One of the things I was fascinated from the very beginning is... How does scrolling work? I mean, those were my games when I was a kid. I loved platformers. I mean, we all did. Late 80s, early 90s, it's basically 90% of what we played was 2D platforming. I think it's still 90% of what Krabby still plays. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's all right. There's plenty of good modern gen and retro platforming games out of there. Um, So I basically, I'm like, okay, so how does actual the screen scroll work? You know, so... I mean, I looked at, I was, you know, hammering stuff on Nestev, all these different notes that uh, the more experienced homebrewers had left there, and just started putting together a scrolling demo. And that took me maybe, it took me a while, I mean, gosh, like a month and a half to figure out, maybe two months to figure out exactly, just using Mario 1 graphics, you know, as, as placeholders, so I could actually get scrolling to work. And um, after I finally did that and fine-tuned it, you know, I was like, you know, I want to get something moving on this scrolling background that I have. So I stopped using the Mario 1 graphics, but started using my own little graphics and just arbitrarily made this little hokey city thing. I'm like, you know what, you know, something that flies, I don't want to deal with physics and whatnot, so I'll make it something that flies. So I made a UFO. And then from there, I was like, you know, be cool if that UFO actually, like, collided with the buildings, you know, how do I do that? And started figuring that out, and then I'm like, well, a UFO should probably shoot a beam out, you know, and abduct people. That's kind of crazy. Uh, programming, you know, thinking about the program to do that. Whatever, let's figure that out. And it just all kept kind of growing from there. <laughs> and then I'm finally like, hey, I should, like, make a little game out of this. And then that little game is something that ended up taking me two years of my life or something. And, uh, I mean, I, I became pretty committed after a certain point, like after I got the first 
like demo stage done that I showed at like the first camp out, Nintendo Age camp out that I showed. I'm like, yeah, I need to actually do this. I mean, when I was a kid on the playground, I mean, this is what we used to talk about was, you know, what kind of NES game would we make? Oh it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just, just I'm like, man, I'm, I'm kind of got the basis of one here. I might as well just go ahead and finish it. And I mean, it's just me basically scratching a nostalgic bone from my childhood. That's a great yeah. story. I wouldn't be ashamed to answer like that at all. Oh, I know. It just makes me feel flaky. Because <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, yeah. people will be like, well, yeah, I mean, didn't you have some kind of inspiration core idea for this? Nope, not really. It's just a bunch of different scenarios of me screwing around coming together. I think it's really cool. It, it, it kind of relates to the way, you know, indie games in general are made or games without like a, you know, a, a publisher kind of above you, like do it this way, do it this way, where you kind of had the freedom to be like, uh, wouldn't it be cool if I did this? And wouldn't it be cool if exactly. I did this? And then just keep, mm-hmm. you know, adding cool and cool things to it. Yep, yep. So you've kind of explained a little bit about the game. Can you give us kind of a formal overview of what the game's all about and the structure of it? Sure. I mean, you play, a lot of people describe it as reverse defender, and I think that's pretty fair. Um, you play a spaceship whose mission is to assimilate um, all the humans in a given area. Each level is like one area of a city or a city itself, if you want to call it that. Um, and basically, you go from level to level, scooping up humans um, into your ship, which is really yourself, because the ship is kind of like a living thing called Osan. And um, you have four different tools available to assimilate them. Um, each tool, of course, has its own different power. You know, it may assimilate faster or slower, but it contributes to, like if it's a slower tool, it's more powerful, and it contributes to a higher assimilation percentage, you know, once you set the human back down. So once you've assimilated 100% of the humans in that area, you move on to the next level. And um, how fast you complete the level affects your score. How high up or low you are when you scoop the human into your ship affects the score. Um, So... The game can kind of be as easy or as hard as you want to make it because the closer you are to the building, it's e- the easier it is to get a human into your ship and send them back down. Um, it's a little easier to dodge the stuff that's always flying at you, the missiles, the fireballs, all kinds of other little random things that come at you. In the Asian stages, there's like a dragon that chases you and all that stuff. Um but the thing is, I mean, if you're one of those skill players that wants to play for higher score, then you have to be higher up, and it's a lot easier for something to explode you to run into your ship and kill you. So. And um, and there's bosses in these, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think it's basically the game is split up into four themed areas, and at the e- end of each one of those areas, which is like four or five stages you fight a boss for that area. And Krabby, you played all the way through that a little while back, right? Yep. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> even the just the quality of the, the movement of the character is better than some of the licensed games I've been playing lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Krabby is helping to contribute towards that can Nintendo Age be all the games kind of thing. Oh, okay. So, man, yeah, you play some stinkers, don't you, Gravity? Yeah, and yeah, like I said, Dissimilate, uh, it's awesome. The quality of the game is just fantastic. I enjoyed it right through. 
What was your favorite part of the game, Krabby? Oh, the boss fights were a ton of fun. And the, the uh, bonus stages with the cows, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't talk about that. So what about the bonus Oh, yeah, stage? yeah. That was actually um, an idea of a Nintendo Age member, to be honest with you. Like, when I started posting the game on Nintendo Age, I think it was Hybrid, who this guy calls himself Hybrid, and he's awesome. He's, like, the guy that makes all these hacked Game Genie codes for, like, homebrews and other NES games. I mean, it's insane how fast that guy can generate Game Genie codes. <laughs> but he was the one that was like, I want to see a cow level for this thing. And then, like, other people in the thread were like, I go in that. And I was like, ooh, that'd be a good bonus stage. <laughs> it was. And uh, I love the difficulty ramp at the end, too. Those stages uh, in the moon, they're just brutal. Yeah. Yeah, those those actually beat me up. I mean, it's a it's a game design rule where it's like, you know, however hard the level is for you as the designer, it's going to be like 10 times harder for um, for your players. And I mean, at first, those moon stages, I mean, it was to a point where I knew I wanted to be hard, you know, not super, super hard. I mean, somewhat, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of of extreme challenge gaming to be honest with you because i'm not that good of a game player myself <laughs> so i want to eventually complete the game i want something they're kind of fighting back on me but i want to eventually be able to complete the game without too too much trouble um another way of saying i'm a pansy i guess <laughs> i'm i'm but, right there uh, with you i'm too old for this stuff yeah exactly well i got too much other stuff to play yeah. you know i can't spend weeks and weeks and weeks on something yeah, so that's my problem but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the moon levels, I mean, if you can believe it, Krabby, I mean, like that last one, uh, was it like 21, I think, or something like that, where everything's green? Yep. I mean, I the first several times I played it, when I first had the enemies laid out, I couldn't finish it. I'm like, okay, well, if I can't, nobody else is going to be able to. And I got it to a point where it, you know, basically makes me swear just enough, <laughs> but I can still get through it, you know, if I pansy out and stick close to the buildings or something that i'm like okay this will be i guess will be really hard for like an average to sucky gamer like myself and then like challenge gamers they can probably get through this i mean i have some friends that are insane gamers and it wasn't more than like i mean watching them play that level and they're so much better at it than i am is awesome (laughs) i'm but, like, I remember one of the guys, he was one of the first ones to buy the carts, and it wasn't more than, like, a day that he got through the game. And I was like, whoa, dude. I mean, he spent maybe a couple hours on it or something like that and was posting this pic on the thread, like, hey, I've already beaten it already. And sure enough, there's a picture of, like, the end credit screen or whatever. <laughs> it's it's like watching Krabby's YouTube channel. It's like, if you want to feel bad about yourself and how good you are at games, <laughs> just go watch him beat every game. Like, and, and yeah, it takes him, you know, he dies a little bit here and there, but uh, I'm, I'm over here, like, spending the last uh, week and a half on Castlevania, and I'm going to get it eventually, but it, uh, yeah, I'm the same way, like, it and very hard difficulty in games sometimes will scare me away, and sometimes I'll kind of, you know, try to buckle down and go for it, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, like, if something's, like, ridiculous challenging, I, I, I normally won't stick with it very long. I, I yeah, think you found yeah, a good sweet spot I, there because it it was very hard, but it was doable if you, you sit there and you know think about it, try and figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good to hear. I'm glad it didn't cause you to like throw your controller or something. No, like, like you that. said, it just gets you close. Like you feel like you're gonna get there, but then you break through it and you feel really good that you mm-hmm. like, accomplished it. So 
Um, where can people find the game? Where can people buy copies of this thing, John? Well, just today, as you said, breaking news here, Duke. Um, <laughs> this um, actually just say I've uh, had some of my good friends. They have started their own run of their own carts, basically with my permission, based on the ROM. Uh, my good friend Adam Welch at Airwalk Studios is distributing um, new carts being made by my buddy Will Thornton. Uh, so just go to Airwalk Studios store, and uh, the information is on the Asylum website as well. Um, just go to their store, and you can buy a copy of the cart now. Um, I'm probably done, as I described on my website. I'm probably done with my own carts, you know, that I released uh, several months ago. But um, they're going to go ahead and continue to make some for the foreseeable future for anyone that's been playing the ROM and would like to play it on their NES but doesn't have a power pack or other similar means to to play the game on their NES console. That's great. And if you're listening to the show, we'll have all this in the show notes. You can go take a look at that and jump over and buy buy a cart. Um, it's a great game. I would highly recommend it. Yep, and they're very good guys. They do very good work. So uh, by all means... You know, buy it if you want. It's great to support them as well. They're fellow homebrewers and fellow proto builders. So, yep, I highly endorse it. As you know, we're we're kind of a collector focused site. So I'm really curious to know mm-hmm. how you come about with the number of physical copies that you make. Um, mine was I was kind of lucky because I could do a pre sale, and that was a huge help because I mean, I kind of have a round number I was going for at the beginning, but um, it turned out I way, way underestimated the demand um, and had to double what I originally thought I would sell because of that pre-sale. I mean, I think I, I think a lot of homebrewers are really, really optimistic about what they're going to sell. I was probably way overly pessimistic. (laughs) I thought I'd sell like maybe 25 to 50 or something like that. It ended up being like three times that um, between the two little runs that I did. And those aren't like, I mean, I, I'm sure something like, you know, Battle Kid does way, way more than that. But um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of homebrewers I'll be out there talking to, and they're like, so what do you think about a run of like 500 or something like that? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, for me, though, a lot of it was I was putting my own money up front, you know, just because that way I get paid immediately, you know. Um, some people choose to go the route where, you know, the person who's producing goes ahead and pays them, goes ahead and pays for all the parts and whatnot, and then just gives them their cut after the fact. But I'm kind of a control freak, so I just kind of wanted everything going through me, you know. <laughs> so it's like I basically had to front the money to the cart producer who was RetroZone and, you know, the box builder who was Uncle Tusk. And um, that's a lot of the reason I was a lot more conservative on how many I was building. Because if I if I build like a hundred of these things and sold like twenty, well, then there's like a couple grand out the window. <laughs> so yeah, um, it as it turned out though, it worked out very well. But um, I easily sold everything I produced, and I was really shocked at how how well it did sell and how quickly it sold. So can you explain to us what this process is of taking, okay, you've, you've completed this piece of software, the ROM, and now I'm yep. going to turn this into a physical product. I mean, what's that, what's that like? Well, there's, uh, like, there's really one or two ways you can go. Um, 
like I said, you can basically send it to somebody who's producing the carps for you. Um, you know, RetroZone is like the most popular, obviously, for NES. Um, you know, and Bunny Boy does a great job. He did a great job on mine. And, I mean, you can have it so that he does everything. You just send him the ROM and he takes care of everything else. Builds the carps, labels them, you know, gets the boxes from Tusk or wherever, and does all the distribution for you as well. Or you can do kind of like a hybrid model like I did where, you know, he basically built the blank carts for me and then I finished the production here in my apartment in Indianapolis and then sent them out, you know, to the people who had ordered them on uh, through my site. Um, the other way you can do it is you can build them yourself um, by using donor carts. Um, that's basically where you desolder the original ROM chips from the board inside the carts burn your own ROM chips with your code, and then solder those onto the boards inside the carts, put them together with your own label, and send them out from there. Um, ooh, it's ugly. I mean, I've, I've made a couple <laughs> <laughs> protos myself and a couple uh, a couple repros. Um, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On this show that I've made repros? Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I don't think you'll get any. Yeah, as any, long as you don't, as long as you don't follow that up with, and then I tried to pass them off as the real thing. Yes, I think you're yes, all right. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. No, definitely not. Um, in fact, my repros were I didn't actually make any money for them because they were gifts for friends. So, <laughs> so but um, let me tell you something. I'm not good with anything that involves tools. A hammer sometimes can perplex me. <laughs> so you can imagine what a soldering iron does. Oh my god, I. I have burned myself more trying to desolder and resolder a ROM chip and been so frustrated with so many screwed up, destroyed boards. So I knew immediately that the whole making my own route wasn't for me because it takes me like two hours to make each cart, you know. That's not practical when you're making over a hundred of those things. So I knew I wanted somebody else to build the carts, but I also knew I wanted control of my own distribution. So there's really many ways you can do it, uh, Duke. Sorry not to offer a real quick, easy answer there. No, but no. I, I still two... remember you, that you, you like shot a picture of like all these just giant stacks of stuff that had come into you that you had to, yeah, that was to, awesome. to work <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah, that was fun. When I, saw, when I got those things done at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and they're all just like stacked up there. All like the first run was like over a hundred, like hundred and ten or something like that. Yeah. About a dozen of them were going to like beta testers and review sites and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my god, this is like a whole big stack of like NES cards that are my own game. So <laughs> yeah, it was, well, I can it was imagine quite nerdy kind of, and beautiful. What kind of feeling does that give you to go, man? Look, this is something that you know out of thin air I've made this thing and it's out there well you said this is an all-ages show so i can't be honest about what kind of feeling that was <laughs> but uh it's pretty cool very good so you talk about you mentioned nesdev um so for people that are out there that are not familiar with what nesdev is can you give kind of an overview of what what that's all about yeah it's basically i mean it's basically the central um repository and discussion forum for NES homebrew knowledge. I mean, there's other sites out there, you know, that supplement it, but uh, nestdev.com or, oh, 
gosh, is it? Well, it's not parodius.nestdev.com anymore because they just migrated servers. I'm sure anybody uh, can Google it, just N-E-S-D-E-V, right? Yeah, you just Google Nestev and you'll find it. It'll pop right up. And we'll have it in the show uh, notes. Yeah, cool. So, but that's basically what it is. I mean, there's plenty of, um, they've got a wiki site, you know, that's becoming better and better organized that basically walks you through all facets of the NES hardware, or most of them. Um, but, yeah, it's basically where all the major NES homebrewers have contributed their knowledge and shared their knowledge on the hardware and just how to make games for the NES and how to do different things with it. And it's getting to have a little Super Nintendo section, too, from the last time I checked. And, of course, there's plenty on the Famicom as well, so Duke should love that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm getting these other two guys on board, so slowly but surely I'm dragging them into the... Oh, Famicom's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to get into it. I got my three carts, and uh, is, huh. when I get some more uh, play money, I'm gonna, I'll get even more. Cool. Duke is now one cart richer from last weekend with that worthless common that I gave him, that I gifted him. <laughs> no, it was a disc. He gave me a disc game. Wow. So it was, uh, he gave me a copy of Exciting Billiards by Konami. Sweet. So thank you very much. I'd, I'd be excited. Hey, I, you know, I'm always, everything is always exciting when you get it. It's like, that's great. Um, so I was kind of shocked to find out, though, that, like, is it just me? Or is, like, is Indiana and the Midwest kind of like a hotbed for NES development? <laughs> well, there's a few, um, there's, yeah, there's a few NES homebrewers in the state for some reason yeah uh which is i mean granted that doesn't sound like much but i guess that's a lot <laughs> in that <laughs> community there's probably a yeah. hundred to two hundred nes homebrewers and on the planet maybe you know because those are the only people crazy enough to actually do this um there's probably more than a couple hundred but you know what i'm saying like but yeah no it's like and it's not only that but it's like the people who are basically founders and major contributors to the Nestet Forum, you know, most notably Memblers, who lives like five minutes away from me here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I got to meet um, him but, uh, on our last little thing there. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the guys that basically started the Nestet Forum, and he's ba- he's also, if I'm right, um, the first person to actually release his own NES homebrew on a cart. Yeah, he created a garage cart, right? Yep, exactly. Yep, yep, and several of the other people that are are basically talking on Nestev all the time, answering questions all the time, are right here in the Hoosier State. So, I guess this is where it's happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's home how proof. weird, right? We are we are the Los Angeles of NES home right here in the Hoosier <laughs> State, folks. It just goes to show that we're about twenty five years behind the times, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was, um, yeah, I'm really was in impressed to find that out i'm like you know indiana is not known for much so it's good that it's known for something i suppose <laughs> you mentioned uh wanting to have as much control as possible in creating these how much input did you have um doing the the boxes and the manuals and the labels and all the packaging mm-hmm. actually yeah i had full control of that so um the manuals were my own design i had those printed at actually a local print shop here in indianapolis and the box, like I said, that was done by Uncle Tusk, just because he has a lot of experience in that. But he let me, I, he basically just sent me um, a uh, layout 
in Photoshop that I could use, and then in Photoshop I just went ahead and filled it in with my own graphics, and it's completely 100% customizable to what I wanted, and uh, they all did a really good job with that. Now, what about the music? Uh, I, I know we've kind of talked about it before, but can you kind of tell everybody kind of what, how, how the music came about? Yeah, actually, that's the one thing I really did not do because I'm musically talentless, and I know this about myself. Um, so right at the beginning, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not composing the music. It'll sound horrible. <laughs> um, so basically, I mean, I'm a big chiptunes enthusiast. I love chiptunes. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite guys on 8-Bit Collective, I just emailed him um, very, very early on in the project. You know, right when it was becoming like an actual game instead of just a hodgepodge monster of stitched together demos um and i i asked him hey you know i'm actually gonna make this nes game would you be interested in doing the music for it and i wasn't sure if i'd hear back from him or not i was ready to email other people he emailed me like within the day and he was like hell yeah i want to do this <laughs> Um, but yeah, his name's computerization. Um, sadly, I don't think he's composing anymore, oh. which is too bad. He's just moved, got bored with it or moved on to other things. But I thought this stuff was awesome. Um, but his stuff is still there on 8-Bit Collective. Look up computerization. Um, his stuff is awesome, and he's the one that composed music for my game. Um, so basically, he would compose it in Tracker and then send send me the files the family tracker files and from the family tracker files i would transcribe them into the sound engine right and for those that are maybe not as familiar family tracker is just a little uh, pc program that you can use to compose the same kind of music that would play on the nes sound chip right exactly and it's kind of i mean it's split up into the five channels that you get on the nes it's just it's hard to explain this briefly but yeah, it's it's a lot easier. I mean, I couldn't look at a piece of sheet music and like transcribe that into a sound engine. <laughs> you know, looking at a tracker program is a lot easier because it's that's set up not exactly by any means, but pretty close to how you think of music when you're programming it into um, an NES game or any kind of NES project. So what happens is um, that. Basically, that software can just generate a file, and that's the code you need. Is that basically it? It can do that. The problem is, I mean, you can generate like a little binary file. Um, the problem is you have to use their sound engine if you want that to play in your game. Hmm. So what you have to do is if you export um, if you export the family tracker file into a little you know text, binary file you're still going to have to do a lot of cutting pasting and changing all these different things to make it work and fit into your own sound engine and the sound engine in my game was also written by another programmer as well which i you know i got his permission to use it and um and wrote him in the credits and that that engine's available on nintendo age too i mean he's he's a great guy his name's metal son um, very very smart nes homebrewer and um, he has a whole set of tutorials on Nintendo Age about uh, working with sound, programming sound in NES projects. And so he had a good engine. It, it just worked well for me and nice enough guy to just let me use it. Probably shaved about four months off my project not having to write my own sound engine. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Now, in total, I mean, when you get done with a game like this, I mean, you know, how big is the end ROM size? I mean, we're talking pretty small. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, assimilate, in fact, I can look at that right now. It's it's within 256K, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, Isn't that crazy, guys? It's, it is nuts. Yeah, it's this is... I'm probably like the readme on like one of these 360 games is probably bigger than that. Yeah, I, I think I have like homework, like Word documents that's... Uh... Oh yeah. Take up more space. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the, the mapper size, so it's like this is saying used space. Oh, I had almost thirty two K available. So <laughs> You about, wasted thirty two K? No, that's that's free, yeah. So You could have put I some was, ridiculous Easter egg in there. I was efficient, Duke. I, I saved thirty two K for nothing else, I guess, ever. But yeah, it's about two hundred twenty-four k. Wow, is so what assimilate ended up being. That's pretty amazing. I think one time you were over with your laptop and you kind of showed me like the entire like length of the code, and I'm like, that's not that doesn't look very very much. <laughs> the code, I mean, the code is very very lengthy actually. Um, it's just when you assemble that, it compresses it, it compresses down dramatically. Um, I mean, oh my god, I mean, if I looked, if I put together these different text documents, um, and they're, they're still not huge, but you're talking probably several megabytes. <laughs> still, though, I'm like, what? I know, it's not, I know, that's crazy, right? That doesn't sound that <laughs> huge, but, um, like, I'm just looking at the ones in kind of my root file now. Uh, what are these? Well, I think, I think I remember reading that, um, yeah. Just Breed was the biggest commercially produced game for the NES Famicom, and it was only one megabyte. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, yep, yep. But I mean, the code goes on for pages and pages and pages. I mean, reading it is human co- readable code in these text documents and whatnot. Um, but uh, in fact, send it off to the copyright office, you know, just to, I guess, I mean, I've got the ROM out there, you know, so I'm not. I'm not a closed source, you know, fanatic by any means, but um, I thought it might be a good idea just to get a copyright for any reason. It's a smart and, idea. Like you're supposed to send, like you know, either the entire code or if that's too big, like just the first, like I don't know what was it, like 25 pages and last 25 pages if you want of what you consider your code. So I opened up like the main assembly file. And when and that's just one of maybe oh gosh I want to say that's one of maybe forty or fifty files mm-hmm. assembly files and binary files throughout my code uh, but that's kind of the main one that works as an index for where, where everything needs to go and has the main routine that kind of runs the game and runs the frame rate and everything and that thing ended up being like seventy odd pages when I put it in Word, so I'm like, <laughs> only the first 25 pages and last 25 pages of that one main file, which is one out of, like, probably 30 to 40 files I have, that's, like, all that I was able to send to the copyright <laughs> office. So I can't even imagine how big this thing is, like, page-wise, if you, like, are just looking at the readable code. Right. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, just try- I'm just trying to imagine how, you know, two and a half, three years of work boils down to, like, a floppy disk and a half. Yeah, <laughs> not, not even that, right? I mean, well, yeah. What do you say, like a meg two, or two? Two hundred fifty-six k. Yeah, mine was about two hundred twenty k. Like I had two hundred fifty-six available because of the mapper I was using, and um, 
I don't know, Duke, should I go into explaining mappers? That's a pretty lengthy <laughs> discussion. That, that might be well. a little beyond our yeah. our target audience scope. <laughs> but, I mean, sure, yeah, sure. they can obviously go and read more about that if they want to. But um, Sure, sure. Um, okay, yeah, so don't get me too nerdy. I'll be talking for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I just don't want. I don't want to lose people. Um, yeah, not not that it's not interesting. I think it's fascinating, but oh, they've been lost. Oh my god, <laughs> they lost. They were lost as soon as they're like, oh god, they're interviewing the assimilate guy. Uh, <laughs> um. So, does uh, I know you've talked about the number of copies you made? Does that have any impact on the price point or what goes into coming up with how much you end up selling these for? Okay, this is going to be an edit. Can you repeat that, Krabby? Sorry. No problem. Um, I was just wondering what kind of uh, stuff goes into coming up with a price point to sell your games. Is it just what other games have been selling for? How many copies you plan to make? Like, what what kind of things go into that decision? Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's it's all of those basically, and how much you spend on parts, obviously. But um, I did want to gauge, you know, against what other people had sold on. And I'd ask the question of other homebrewers who had, you know, been through cart runs of their own. Um, and then kind of what I determine is a reasonable profit margin. I just kind of add on top of whatever I spend on the parts. So, um, and profit margin for me, reasonable. I mean, I wanted to keep it low. I, and my thing was making it accessible too. I couldn't justify charging for me anyways, I didn't want to charge as much as like a full price modern gen game. I was really trying to stay around 30 bucks or so. Um, but it just wasn't quite possible, you know. Uh, and especially with boxes, I had to charge more on that, unfortunately. So I got a little higher than comfortable with the box copies, but... Uh, Still, I think I stayed re- fairly reasonable on those. I think you've got the wrong idea. You're talking to collectors here, so <laughs> when you're putting boxes in there, <laughs> people are happy to yeah. pay for that box. The more paper, the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. Don't worry about about box costs. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely. But it's like, but yeah, I just I didn't want it to be too outrageous. I mean, it's it's a game for a. 25 year old system my favorite system of all time i knew but um this was just something to do to fulfill a little childhood fascination i used to have this wasn't something i did to um make mad cash i just (laughs) skip a question i'm sorry did it for the women right (laughs) that's it um well people who know me might know better than that but uh (laughs) <laughs> no problem um so what you're just talking about um like fulfilling that childhood dream um does is that have something to do with um why you felt the need to release a physical copy of this game rather than just having it floating around for people to emulate exactly that was exactly it yeah i wanted to see it in the cool nes box on the cool nes card just like i used to go to Toys R Us and buy them when they were brand new, you know, back yeah. in the late 80s. So, so did yeah. you seal your own copy in cellophane and then, like, tear it open right after? <laughs> <laughs> it's still sealed. It's going under the Christmas tree no. in a couple months. Are you going to do the N64 kid and just... <laughs> <laughs> just rip the hell out of that box, yeah. <laughs> 
That's cool. So you've talked a little bit uh, uh, about uh, the homebrew community and like all the ways uh, that, you know, someone who's, you know, might be interested in making a homebrew uh, could go about it. So you have the uh, like the multiple forums with Nestev and uh, uh, Nintendo Age and multiple places. You have places where you can buy the parts, people who can help you kind of make the boxes. So with all this stuff out there helping people, are there any really big obstacles uh, anymore or is it really kind of a uh, friendly to newcomers it's no it's it's actually very friendly to newcomers i think it's getting more friendlier to newcomers than it ever has been to be honest with you and a lot of it bill is because like i said the assemblers the debugging tools all the things you use to make um nes games are getting friendlier and friendlier and um and there keeps there keeps turning out to be more and more NES homebrewers, you know, so there, that's more people that you have to talk to um, as resources to help you. If, you know, you don't, that's more people answering your questions that you post on the forum. So if you don't understand one answer, maybe the next guy that answers it, you know, it gives you the same answer, but worded differently, you will understand. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people at one point or another have thought of. And, and just like you got started, I, I feel like that story is, I hear it a lot. It's fairly common. Like, well, I considered doing it for a while. I didn't know very much. And, you know, just kind of kept nagging it. And you said, you know what, I'm going to go do this. And it just really seems like, you know, if, if you have the drive for it, the tools are out there. So it seems like, uh, like, you know, something that, you know, is possible, even though it seems kind of, you know, like a tricky thing to do if you haven't touched it before. Mm-hmm. Sure. So as far as uh, the physical copies, because um, again, that's you know, being collectors, that's kind of you know what we what we love. What are your thoughts on using a site uh, like a crowdfunding site like Kickstarter or a similar site to fund the release of a homebrew game? Um, I think, however, you can get it done. I have no problems with using Kickstarter by any means. Um, I think it's actually a pretty cool tool for doing something like that. I. I funded mine through pre-orders, partly funded mine through pre-orders. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. It's like the seed money that you need to do something like this. It, I mean, it's sizable, but it's by no means like what you need to get started. Like the, how do you pronounce it? The Ouya console yeah. or whatever. This, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that huge. So... I don't think you need to go all out with your Kickstarter campaign to get a homebrew project um, started, but um, it's definitely however you can get it funded. If you can get the seed money to fund it and uh, more power to you, you know, if you can get a few grand off Kickstarter and all your carts are made and <laughs> paid for, so you just basically sit back and get them out to people. That's the big thing. I mean, as long as you're honest and get them out to people. Um but I haven't heard too many horror stories yet of that not happening. I've heard of stories where people take forever to get their stuff to, you know, the people who ordered them. And, I mean, that's pretty lame, too. I think you should be pretty close to complete before you um, do start collecting cash. Uh, so, I mean, as far as a Kickstarter campaign for something that you've got, like, little notes jotted down on, uh, <laughs> that's kind of iffy, but I mean, if you're like to the point where I was when I started taking pre-orders, I mean, I, the game was practically done. You know, yeah, I was basically yeah. getting, I was basically ordering supplies and everything like that. 
um, I think that's a lot more accessible because it doesn't cost anything to develop this up to that point. You know, it's you tinkering around on your laptop, <laughs> you know, on the code. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, there's, I've been, you know, I've been browsing Kickstarter lately just to kind of see, you know, what's out there. And, you know, there's a big, big difference between, you know, seeing something that looks like, it's literally ready to go and it's like, okay, the money comes in, we make your thing, you're going to get it. And yeah. between someone with a, a sketch on a napkin that says, okay, I've kind of got an idea about maybe doing a game, but I know nothing about development. Help me out. Yeah, so, yeah uh, I would stay away from those. <laughs> Pay yeah. for me to go and learn this stuff so I can make you yeah. a product, right? <laughs> Which may or may not ever happen. Yeah, yeah. more <laughs> likely probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so, oh, go ahead, Duke. I was going to say, I've seen, um, there was one particular Kickstarter project I'm glad I didn't fund, but I've kept an eye on it for something I think is really cool, just so that they ever produce it, I would like to get one, and I think it's one of those where, okay, I mean, it's it got funded like over a year ago, and there's still no product. I don't think I'd be real happy. And you know yeah. what's, uh, what's a little bit... Uh... A little bit worrisome to me, and you really have to be careful. No matter what you back on Kickstarter, but you really have to be careful. Is a friend of mine was telling me that they're reading in the fine print of a uh, Kickstarter, and uh, when when you pledge, you are not paying for uh, you know the finished product. You are paying for the promise of that product. So if that product never happens, you are mm -hmm. not entitled to get your money back. That is correct. Yep, that is correct. So, and and I and I feel like a lot of people, whether it's you know Kickstarter not putting that info right in front of that button that says okay here pledge your money, putting a big red stop sign in front of that that says okay buddy just so you know, you know it's it might be a lack of that why it's a little bit disturbing to me but uh, I mean again it's I mean it's it's always a buyer beware situation but uh, there's a few situations that I really hope never happen to people but I, I feel like they're going to. Well, I think some of that's got to be um, Kickstarter's in probably like a, just a CYA, you know. Just, right. Um, I mean, obviously, they don't want many of those to happen either because that's going to put their site in a negative light. Um, so I'm going to imagine they probably try to motivate people a little bit to not let that happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, they really kind of tightened up what their guidelines were in terms of what you can kickstart. In term, you know, you just those ideas of this on a napkin. They're trying to push away from that, obviously. Right. Well, and like, I mean, if if you Bill are specifically gearing, it's I mean, you did specifically gear this Kickstarter question towards homebrew or retro homebrew, like NES or Genesis or something like that. Right. I mean, the way, in my view, that differs from modern game indie development is. You really should not be doing retro homebrew or try to be doing it as a living. I mean, you should not be getting a massive amount of money invested so that you can like quit your job and make an NES game. You know, totally. it should it should be a hobby. I right. mean that. I mean, most of the guys on Nestev agree with that too. A lot of the guys on Nestev have a problem with you making money off of your game. To be honest with you, um, and I mean, I, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm fine with their view of that, whatever. <clears throat> but at the same time, I mean, if, if you're putting money into parts and all that, I mean, you at least need to get that back, I think. But um, it's it's it really should be a hobby. If you make a few bucks off of it, cool. But you shouldn't be asking for people for thousands and thousands of dollars so you can do it specifically as a 40-hour-a-week job. You know, indie game development, that's a whole different story. I mean, you're really trying to actually make a living on that, and so... 
Yeah, and I would say, you know, um, in terms of that, I want the people that are making these games to make a profit because that motivates them to make more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't have any problem. I would look at somebody a little, you know, cockeyed if somebody did not want to make a profit because you worked hard. You deserve a little of that. Um, I like to pay for my entertainment. Yeah, but it should be, I don't know. I'm more of the opinion that it should be for fun. I mean, that's what mine was. And, I mean, rather than, I don't know. Hey, you're right, Duke. I'm a horrible capitalist. <laughs> yeah, good job, comrade. That's all. I'm a horrible capitalist. Oh, I'm a worse socialist, believe me. <laughs> I'm just useless in any economic system, I guess. Um, yeah. So what can you tell me what the um, reception was like from the collector community for your game? Pretty good. I mean... Definitely, especially on like Nintendo Agent. But one thing that surprised me is how many people were interested from Western Europe. I mean, I, it was really shocking. Like seeing my game pop up on all these like French and German websites and stuff, <laughs> and it's really fascinating because I mean, there's the Assimilate logo, and it's like either German like John White you know my horrible horrible mock German right there Um, and uh, you know some of these people from those sites asking me about it and I had quite a few overseas orders I expected a lot more overseas orders from Japan and didn't get nearly as many from Japan as I did from um, obviously you know there are quite a few from Canada um, but there was a lot from in the UK, France, Germany, um, a couple from Scandinavia here and there, uh, a couple from Russia, but a lot from Western Europe. Well, I've been and, kinda... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, of course, like uh, generally, the the feedback on the people who have played the game has been positive. At least the ones that have actually taken the time to message me about it or post something on a thread has been generally positive. So that's pretty good. And um, like I said, sold all my carts. So you know, thank you guys, all you who have ordered it. <laughs> You're awesome, because it started as a little you know demo just to pass the time and a little uh, infatuation just to press pass the time. So I'm really honored that there's that many people out there willing to buy. It. Even if you just bought it as something to like stick on your shelf and resell someday, I don't care. I mean, you still bought my game. That's insane to me. <laughs> you know. Well, I um. I would imagine if you could have done a, a Famicom cart, then you probably could have done a lot, a lot better in Japan. But oh yeah, there's yeah. there's probably not any tools right now to really produce those like there are NES carts. Am I guessing right? Um, or, I mean, to make your own, you could pretty easily. I mean, as far as just getting donors and you know, make, same way as I described earlier, making um, games from donor NES carts, but. Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's very similar. I mean, Famicom programming is fairly similar to NES programming. Of course, you have all these extra little features that you know all too well, Duke, especially with like the sound and whatnot that you can program into there. And, um, but I would think anybody willing to grind it out could probably make their own Famicom stuff if they wanted to. I was just thinking. I know there's still there are still a lot of um, Chinese um, manufacturers of quote unquote pirate carts for mm-hmm. Famicom to this day. I mean, they're still generated pretty well. So mm-hmm. I would imagine if somebody had wanted to take the time to contact one of those Chinese um, fabs, you 
probably could. You probably could do a little run of that. So that would be interesting. Oh, yeah. Yep. He kind of touched on it already with when he said uh, he didn't mind people buying them just to have it sit on their shelves and maybe resell later. Like, uh, yes, I yeah. love resellers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a shout out to my NA homies who might be listening. <laughs> See, there's the capitalism. <laughs> the idea though is john you're supposed to be trying to make the money not not everybody else i know, I know. so do you have a few hoarded away to sell on a rainy day no <laughs> i've got my own i've got my own i've got one that i give to my dear beloved mother as a you know just as a gift you know that was a freebie so i guess if i wanted to be a real Real capitals, I could sell her or something. Get up there and value. Well, has, has has she has she beaten it yet? She has not touched it. She just oh. goes, "Oh, that's so cute," and like filed it away somewhere, you know, and like the rest of my high school stuff or whatever else. She's out. She's out with her friends. Look what my Johnny did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think. The, I mean, the good news always is, though, I mean, as but you're the owner of the code. So, I mean, if you need a few extra bucks and you want to do another run, you can, right? I mean, it's yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I guess it's – I've always kind of wondered about it, too, because, I mean, like, I didn't get a chance to spend much time talking to Memblers when we were, were there the other night. But mm-hmm. um, that's kind of always been my thought and a question I kind of meant to ask him but I didn't get around to is, you know – Garage carts are selling pretty pretty well for a little bit of money. Why not just do another run? Mm. You'd have to ask him about that. <laughs> oh no, yeah, completely. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't that. ask him about that. Yeah, he he's pretty cool. He'd have he'd answer you. Yeah, one of these days, I think uh, next time I'm going to see if I could just beg him to just make me one. <laughs> How much would you charge me? Just make me one. I don't care. I'm not going to resell it. I just want to have it to play. Mm-hmm. You've talked about your childhood a little bit. So what were some of these games that you grew up on that kind of inspired this? Um, well, uh, <laughs> Duke's not going to be happy here. Oh, but yeah, you know, That means the rest of us will be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, my go-to game to this day is wait, Super wait, Mario wait. Brothers. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to guess. Okay. I'm going to guess RBI really Baseball. No, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no sports games. No <laughs> sports games. No, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. I uh, love that game. Uh, <laughs> the fake one. So, so yeah, just, just to clarify, Mario 2 US? Yes, yes. Okay. Right, 2 US. Oh, no. Remember, I'm not a challenge gamer, so <laughs> Japanese Mario 2. Uh, but, yeah, just, Mario just, 2 US. Just, just the thought of Japanese Mario 2 made him go, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. most of anybody that's tried to play it, that's kind of yeah. the perception. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, really? That's, yeah, that's what it's, that's, yeah, that's the, the, the quote from the magazine on the back of the box. It's just, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Capcom games, basically all Capcom games, most of them I loved. I loved the Mega Man series. Love the Mega Man series. Nice. What's, the, um, what's, what's the best one? Two. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, right I'm huge on two. two for some reason. I don't know why. Except for Castlevania 2. Uh, Castlevania 3 has to be my favorite in that series. Thank you. Such an amazing game. Um, well, and obviously, I mean, I love Mario 3, don't get me wrong. That game's a masterpiece. But for some reason, and I love playing Mario 3, I really love playing Mario 2. 
especially, and I hope I don't break the, you know, all ages rule here, but especially when I'm had some drinks, you know, and want to go <laughs> chill out and play my NES for whatever reason. Mario 2 is so much fun to play when I'm buzzing or just fall down drunk, one of the two. <laughs> it's it's interesting to say it that way because when you think about the beginning of that game, you kind of fall into this world. It is. It's, well, I mean, the whole game is like this dream, you know, which right. could be interpreted as just some huge trip. Obviously. I mean, for God's sakes, there's little guys with masks running around, and, I mean, you throw vegetables at them, you know, and fight a giant frog at the end. It, it's, I mean, the whole game is just a big trip. But, um... Well, because the original game was, like, took place inside of, like, a children's storybook. Exactly. And it was, like, Arabian characters, yeah. and... Yeah, yeah. No, I love Doki Doki Panic as well, don't get me wrong. The game is based on, but... No. Um, trying to think of other NES games. That's huge. For some reason, the first Ducktales. I love that game too. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Now, now we're talking. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Ducktales is a great game. Ducktales Two is amazing. Um, do 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 do. Thinking, thinking. Metroid. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Metroid series in general. I love the original Metroid for the NES. Um, so I'm kind of getting out of the side-scroller range here. I mean, Zelda is my all-time favorite franchise ever, and the original Legend of Zelda is right up there. I love Zelda 2 as well, even though most people think it's kind of the black sheep, but I do love Zelda 2. Not as much as the original Legend of Zelda, but yeah. So those are some of my favorites from the NES era. Probably kind of generic, along <laughs> with what well, anyone good. else would those say. They are. Good. They're awesome, you know. Tried and true right there. So, um, I know you usually, uh, when we're talking, you admonish collectors a little bit, but um, you do... <laughs> it's make... just a joke. It's just a joke. You, <laughs> you know? do a little collecting of your own, right? A teeny, tiny, non-serious bit. And, yes. that, and that is? ColecoVision. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. It's the thrill of the hunt. I mean, it's this obscure system. You know, the carts are obscure. And it's just the fun of finding a Coleco cart that's not Donkey Kong. <laughs> in Wait, some they, they, they made more? Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I really got it. I got fascinated when I got back into video games. Because there was a whole 10-year period of my life where I wasn't that interested in video games. Like, through high school and college. And then when I got really big back into them when I started, you know, working in horrible, boring adult land and need something to pass the time in the evenings. Um, that, that's so weird. I had the exact same kind of, like, you know, gap. I think a lot of people our age did, Bill, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, what are you trying to say, your age? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 the younger, older guys. <laughs> <laughs> I but never no, stopped. It's like, it's, I know a lot of people didn't stop either. I just, for some reason, had that, like Bill said, just that gap there. But when I got big into video games, again, I got really big into video game history. And that's when, I mean, I'd known of the Coligo Vision, but when I found out, you know, more about it, and then it's like, it's basically the PS3 of its era. Oh, yeah. But was just released at, like, the most unfortunate time imaginable, and then they just didn't have that many good titles. So, that, those things combined make it a very interesting to collect library, in my opinion. Just because, like I said, the carts are hard to find. I mean, anything outside of Donkey Kong is hard to find. You know, so for me, it's just kind of the hunt for those is what's fun. I'm not at all serious, though, about 
I, I mean, I'd like to have a complete set someday, but I'll probably die without having one. <laughs> it's like I've got, I think I'm looking at them right now, as a matter of fact. In fact, I'm looking at a beautiful boxed time pilot that a certain friend bought for me last weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, somebody, yeah. when we had the weekend, yeah, but John... Uh, it was nice enough to take us all around, drive us around the city, take everybody that was in town to the shops. And poor guy was so exhausted. Game hunting. Well, that's my own fault, though. That's my own. <laughs> but he was just like asleep in the car. I mean, he was just so tired. He's like, I man, mean, I'm just, I'm gonna go sleep in the car. The day while you guys before I had to work, like an hour early, and then like from there I went right over to the hotel to start setting stuff up and. I decided I'll drink a Red Bull right now, and that wasn't a good idea because I got like two hours of sleep that night. And then the next day was <laughs> game collecting, like game shopping with like some of the most enthusiastic <laughs> collectors on Nintendo Age and RF Generation, you know. So, but that's, you know, that sounds that sounds like you want a sweepstakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure we'll 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 listeners of the show will probably have already heard a little bit about this, but um, yeah. A fun weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, good times always with my peeps. But yeah, I'm looking at these uh thirty. What have I got? There are maybe twenty five Coleco carts, and like I think fifteen of those were given to me by my good friend Matt. <laughs> so like so those were just freebies that he gave me because he didn't have a use for them. And I've got uh, a, a mostly complete Adam. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I found that last scored that last weekend. But yeah, that thing hasn't really grown that much, you know. It can't that grow too much. Pile much of uh, Coleco carts sitting up there, you know, it just kind of keeps sitting there and grows one cart or so every six months. Hmm. <laughs> I, what about modern games? I mean, what, what's your taste skew to, and and do you still play modern stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely I'm still an RPG gamer i mean not as hardcore as i used to be like in the super nintendo era um but i mean i we were discussing earlier i love the mass effect franchise that's probably my favorite thing in modern gen i just think they've done such an incredible job with that trilogy and yes the multicolored explosions were stupid but it was still a pretty good ending to mass effect 3 i'm probably gonna get your podcast flamed for that one. No, I don't think you revealed anything. Yeah. That's not spoilers. Well, it's not a spoiler, but yeah, I mean, obviously there's still pretty strong feelings about the original ending to Mass Effect 3. And I mean, yeah, part of how they handled that was stupid, but still a pretty awesome ending before, you know, the stupid part. (laughs) If that makes (laughs) sense. So, uh, but other than that, I mean, that whole gaming experience was just amazing, going through all three of those games and then replaying them. Like, I've always had to replay every Mass Effect game twice. I'd go through it the first time as almost total Paragon, good guy Shepard, and then i go back through it as jerk Shepard, you know. <laughs> and just, I love that. I love making every single horrible decision. I love 
punching that journalist in the face <laughs> as jerks. And it's like the first time that actually happened, I was laughing so hard on my couch, which is probably not good because I just watched a woman get battered. And I'm just sitting there like laughing hysterically, you know. But you know, you know what's even better than that is is playing through that game, doing everything nice except for punching her in the face. <laughs> and then and then everybody's like, "Whoa, what do you? You never do anything like that. What? Like, oh, I just hate journalists. Like, I don't even know what it is." Yep, yep, that's <laughs> awesome. So, um, I'm curious. Then, so when you're doing that, do you make like uh? like a male that's the one way and then like a female character that's the other way or just... no no it's it's always been male shepherd okay see now when yeah, i play but... through it's it's the jerk shepherd is the guy and then like the oh, other really? nice one is the gal because <laughs> she's more sensitive and has those motherly intentions and all that i don't think that's it i just i don't want to create a um I don't know what a nice way to say this is. Uh, a mean woman. <laughs> <laughs> a female dog. Yes, yeah, that would be that would be bad. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I love the Zelda franchise. Um, Skyward Sword was amazing. I loved that game. Um, so I, I, I do follow the Nintendo franchises into the modern gen as well. I am a Nintendo fanboy through and through for all their major franchises. Metroid, Mario, Zelda... Um, I do like platformers, three platformers. Um, I tend to follow, like I said, I tend to pick up stuff that um, follows the old franchises as well. Like Castlevania Lords of Shadow came out, and I was like, I gotta play that. You know, it's, even though everyone's told me the three Castlevanias were horrible, you know, and that game ended up being pretty good. Um, uh, as far as news, well, of course, Skyrim was a great game, too. So I'm not huge into first-person shooters just because I'm horrible at them. But Join the club. I would say, yeah, it's between RPGs and platformers. I have to alternate between them because eventually I get sick of the detail that's required and the time that's required in RPGs, and I just need um, some good mindless platformer like you know, Mario Galaxy or something like that. Not saying it's mindless. I mean, it requires some skill and concentration to get through some of that stuff. But, um, you know, just fun, you know, of uh, the 3D platformers or 2D platformers. So I know you have a few other little things that would be considered gaming collectibles. So what would you say is kind of some of those cool little collectibles that you've got? Hmm. Hmm. Like, like maybe a soundtrack that you might own. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My uh, Final Fantasy VI OST, signed by Nobuo Uematsu. Wow. His name is probably just... Signed, yes. if, yeah. if that doesn't say collector, I don't know what does. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was more, like, out of enthusiasm for seeing... The last MAGFest his band played, they were like the headlining band, um, and it was awesome like watching them and then the next day they had this panel so naturally like you know when me and my friends that go to magfest we're all thinking of our stuff to take you know in case they had a panel or in case they had a signing table i mean that thing that final fantasy 6 ost is actually something i ordered in high school this awesome. was like 1997 right and i ordered this thing from japan and everybody was like you are such a nerd. <laughs> you ordered a three-disc video game soundtrack 
from Japan. I'm like, it's Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> I was so excited when it came in the mail. I was like sitting there like blaring it on my car's CD player as I drove through town and whatnot. I mean, just imagine that. Imagine terrorist theme coming out of... I mean, other people are blaring, you know, their hip-hop or whatever. Whatever those <laughs> young kids listen to. <laughs> you know, the guys that are, you know, actually... Um, Oh, never mind. That's going to bust your, <laughs> your all-ages thing. The guys who are successful with the ladies, if you will, yeah. are, like, you know, busting their actual, like, you know, oh, God, whatever horrible crap that was in that time, Nickelback <laughs> or whatever else, or whatever horrible brand of hip-hop they were listening to. Here's good old Johnny White coming through town with uh, Kafka's theme wearing <laughs> on a CD player. So, yeah, so... Yeah. I did the I same thing. I ordered the the seven soundtrack from Japan, and oh, I remember nice. calling up. I think it was Game Cave. I uh-huh. think the place was called like that, and it used to be like in all the magazines and everything. And you, I called up, and I just remember being so thrilled that they put me on hold, and the hold music was like the Cosmo Canyon, <laughs> and I I just remember being on hold like. Do, 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 do. And I, I was just so thrilled to have that. I was like, I'm going to have that soon. I'm going to have that soon. And I ordered this uh, soundtrack. It showed up. And I also remember being thrilled that it was four discs. And I was like, the game is three discs. <laughs> yep, yep. How is the soundtrack? And of course, it's because, you know, the it's not a sample that's just repeated. Like all the musical data is on there. But uh, yep. yeah, that, that was my... Uh, I still have that. That's like, I know Duke's got everything from when he was like, you know, a kid and everything. But uh that that's like one of the pieces that uh, I loved. I loved the whole experience of buying something like that. I, sure, I, sure. I did the same thing with the uh, Metal, Metal Gear Solid soundtrack. I did it with that it one too. So Lunar two for that me. One. <laughs> In the car stereo. So we're all guilty. Yeah, yeah awesome. mine. Final Fantasy VI is my only one. I never ordered another soundtrack. So. Well, uh, as long as you leave that to me in your will, John, uh, we're okay. <laughs> I would probably kill for that. That's I would have to say that's one of my all-time favorite games ever. So yep. that's and to have that sign, that's really pretty. That is my favorite game ever, actually. Yeah, nothing has dethroned it. That is my number one to this day. I would say yeah, it's a good contender for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So how does it feel um, after all these years to finally have your name in the credits of a game? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I remember actually the first time watching my little credits go by after I was done programming it with the music. Like, once I get the music going, I was like, oh. <laughs> so you'll notice my name pops up in the credits like three or four times. Yep. So obviously I really liked it. <laughs> Game programmed by John White. Writing by John White. Conceptualization by John White. Character design, John White. So are there any secret game tips that are Easter eggs that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, well, actually, I think most of them have already been shared, Duke. But, I mean, there's the, if you have the cart, um, the original cart anyways, that I released my own, there's the campout level. Uh-huh. Um, and let's see, what else? There's also a secret stage select level as well. Or, no, excuse me, the, that was ridiculous. There's a secret stage select as well that you can unlock on the title screen. And um, would you be willing to share that with our listeners here, what that code is? Um, I can give you a hint. It's like the most 
popular <laughs> code ever Some, altered in a yeah. certain way. So maybe like, something that would okay. be similar to like Contra or something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Start starts with up. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I actually uh, uh not to sidetrack but uh uh I don't have any tattoos. I have several friends with many tattoos and they're trying to convince me and my my mom has a pretty pretty firm rule of saying like you can get as many tattoos as you want once I'm gone. So I have uh, a lot of time. I have a lot of time to prepare because she's young and healthy. But uh, one of the that's good. The, I I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I yeah, I so thought you were about to be like my mom has the Konami <laughs> code tattoo. <laughs> I was well, like, was, oh, best mom like ever. She, she she might. <laughs> so uh, so one one of the uh, the things I always had uh, you know as like a like a code that's been special to me is the Mike Tyson code. Uh, oh, and yeah. I don't know wh- and I don't know why I've always remembered it, but I always have, and I just always imagine like having zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three just might be a cool set of numbers to have in that you know in that font to have people be like. You know, certain people would know it and just kind of get that knowing <laughs> nod. And certain people, like, what is that? Is that like the barcode to milk or something? <laughs> and 50 years from now, when they're putting you in the grave, they'll be like, what the? <laughs> and then the, the guy, like, uh, uh, like throwing the last shovel on, and be like, yep, don't even have to deal with Super Macho Man. <laughs> so, John, do you have any plans to do any more games of any kind in the future? Okay, so, yeah, not I probably won't make any homebrew projects in the foreseeable future like within the next year or two just because i'm really busy on other endeavors right now like mostly learning newer like relevant programming to eventually hopefully get a job in software engineering and um make it go from a hobby to a job so i'm doing a lot of stuff like working on uh net right now learning that um learning javascript and java to make mobile applications, online applications, that kind of stuff, because that's basically where the jobs are. So that's kind of what I'm working on with a lot of my free time that doesn't go to playing video games or reading or hanging out with buddies. (laughs) So homebrew projects, I don't know, I might play around with some demos here and there, but I can't imagine doing a whole full board game for a while. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, I, it'll, it'll give me enough time to, uh, you know, to to give it a try and maybe get halfway through the game, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll definitely let you know. Um, so there it's, are uh, game was... genie codes available, Bill. Actually, Ooh. my buddy Hybrid posted some on Nintendo H. So if you're like me, you love the game genie codes. <laughs> it's how I got through um, probably seventy five percent of my NES games. So you, so you can start with the codes, and you can like slowly scale back as you get better and better. There you go. Yep. Yep. Cool. Very, very, very cool. So, so yeah. So, well, you mentioned before we're gonna have the uh, the info for the uh, the reprint uh, from uh, Airwalk Studios uh, in the. Uh, we're gonna link it in the show notes. And um, did you say how many uh, they're doing, or we're not sure? Um, not. It's pretty much an open run right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, John, we definitely thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, come chat with us for a bit. Uh, hopefully, you can uh, swing by RF Gen and uh, answer any questions any of the listeners may have that we didn't ask. And uh, yeah, good luck to you with uh, whatever programming you end up doing. And hopefully, we do get another game from you eventually. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it.
All right. So again, I want to say thanks to John White for taking the time to be on the show. We really appreciate um, having him on as our first um, interviewee. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being on the show as normal. So thanks, Krabby, for, for sticking around. Anytime. And uh, Bill, appreciate you being aboard. Oh, absolutely. Love doing it. And uh, for folks, just remember where you can find us. Um, obviously, our home base is rfgeneration.com. So come over. You can find uh, the show thread. You can leave some comments. Check out the tools, the site, if you're not familiar with it. It's a great bunch of people. Um, you can find uh, the show at uh, collectorcast.com. So you just jump over there. We're on Twitter, at CollectorCast. Uh, now on Facebook, so you can like us there. Just uh, facebook.com slash CollectorCast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Just do a search there for CollectorCast. We're on, of course, iTunes. You can subscribe there. And um, on Stitcher. So you can download the Stitcher app. Um, you can find that just by going to stitcher.com forward slash RFGeneration. We would appreciate it if you would put in the promo code RFGeneration uh, when you download that. Helps kind of kick up our our viewers over there a little bit. And do us a favor, um, you know, on iTunes or whatnot, if you get a minute, if you like the show, um, review us. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and um, if you like the show, too, share it with some friends. Tell some other folks about it. Uh, help us get the word out. And um, we definitely love doing the show for you and, and hope you guys uh, enjoy it, too. And uh, until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs>